All right, what up, Fold? This is uh, part two of our special episodes over at the Las Vegas Diocesan Conference. Here we had a fantastic interview with our anonymous HB that we'll have a conversation with. Uh, and so it's a little bit of a longer episode, but it, it was just too much good stuff to cut out. So uh, take your time enjoying this one, and uh, we will actually announce the winner, not this show, but the following show for all of the things. So if this is your first time listening to us, uh, tag us on social media, either Facebook or um, Instagram at Among Wolves Pod, and then you'll be entered to win the drawing of a gift card to Amazon. So, if this is your first time listening to us again, uh, yeah, find us on social media at Among Wolves Pod, and then go ahead and tag us in there, and then uh, you'll be entered to win the drawing. All right, guys, good luck and enjoy the show. Bye. This is Auxiliary Bishop Gregory Gordon of the Diocese of Las Vegas, and you are listening to Among Wolves. Good morning, Fold. Good morning. This is how we talk in the morning. Like this is the PBS. earliest episode we've, like, earliest time recording we've ever recorded. The earliest. Yeah. We are sitting in the hallway of the diocesan conference. And apparently this is a golf show. Yeah, that's what I said. It's the morning. You got your NPR voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I say. kind of fun sitting here because then everybody who knows you comes up and says hey how you doing i know and then you don't have to run into them somewhere else they just come to you we're the front table did you notice that that yeah, we are we are that? the first how table that like? people walk up and and see we're important yeah kind of huh and we're on the outside too like <laughs> we did <laughs> we got the corner and we were alphabetized by a oh that's why yeah look at that oh <laughs> As someone whose last name is Whitney, I'm usually used to being at the end of the alphabet. So from from here on out, we are triple A among wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if people are still going to do that kind of stuff because they did that for the, for phone, the phone book. book. Yeah. But now everything's on the internet. And like when you Google search stuff, it depends on how much you pay to put stuff or they try to regionalize you or, you know, do it geographically. You know, like if you, t- yeah, see, if you type in, um, Muffler shops on Google Maps that right. show you all the ones in you know a certain radius. Good morning. I gave your thing a listen last. Which one? It was very I was started at the beginning. Oh, okay. The, that's when the sound quality was terrible. It wasn't bad. Episode the magical bags of meat. Magical bags of meat is one of my favorite episodes. It's it has like the best quality with the worst audio. Yeah. And like he's like, I can't do this. I said that's our best work ever <laughs> out of two episodes. <laughs> But you can't cut it. We have to put it off. <laughs> and then listen to the Christmas wine. Oh, my goodness. Neil's, Neil's plugging all kinds of stuff here. He's like, please listen to me. I need approval. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys need to cut that out. I'm a millennial. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a Gen Xer. Dude, you know Gen X is, like, totally not represented in the world at all. Yeah. Like, there was even a thing. There was a news thing that showed, like, the silent generation, baby boomers, millennials, and Gen Z. Yeah. They wouldn't they even just skipped Gen it. X. They even have the a... Forgettable Gen X. Yeah, uh, so there you go. What was it, though? Yeah. Gen X is totally not. And then the thing, too, is I think everybody lumps everybody into anything else. So if you're a younger Gen Xer and you're kind of being complaining, they'll just consider they're just you a millennial. millennial. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you're an older Gen Xer and you're being crotchety, they're like, okay, oh, boomer. Oh, boomer. Mm-hmm. 
I love the fact that the that the phrase is okay boomer because like that's their phrase was okay. Like that was the thing for um for boomers like oh it, was to come up with the okay. slang. The slang what, that was their thing. It was okay. And then to have uh, a a two generations later with the with the Gen Zers or three generations later, however many, with the Gen Zers coming up with something so clever, and whether or not they whether or not they recognize that that was the thing, that it's not just uh, not they're not just saying okay boomer, but they're saying you're an okay boomer, like that's that that's who you are, that's your generation, okay boomer, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I just think that that's funny because that's their catchphrase, and whenever a boomer does something that's a catchphrase thing, they'll say okay boomer. Uh, <laughs> I never associated okay with boomers. Oh really? Psychology does. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I took a psychology class. I didn't talk about that. But you're right it. about Gen Gen X. Like nobody, nobody ever talks about Gen X. It's, and I uh, felt like it kind of was like the big thing. Like when I was a kid, because I'm in the end of it. Right. So it was just like this. It was is for angst and X. Right. it was angst and grunge music and being yeah. dirty or and against like, the against the man. Or even like the '80s, you know, kind of glam rock or something. It's like this is all for Gen X. So it's like whatever was popular for the youth. Yeah, Babysitters Club. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, <laughs> that just fell off, and it just became your parents became grandparents, and now they're just old people. That's so funny. <laughs> And then they forgot about everybody who's like, well, I'm, you know, in my 40s now, so most Gen Xers are in their 50s. Yeah. So I assume that there's a lot of these crotchety 50-year-olds that are Gen Xers that they say, okay, boomer, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or when they sit there and say, oh, the damn millennials, and it's really not the boomers, millennials, it's more Gen X versus Gen Gen Z, Z. Mm -hmm. which is so funny. The Zoomers, as I like it. Zoomers. Yeah. Well, now, because now they had that COVID year where they lived on Zoom for a whole year. I think they called them Zoomers before that, even. I know, but now it's, like, even more so. Like, that's uh, one of those things that's just going to be, like... Yeah, it might be. I mean, that really worked out because... Right. It, they were calling them Zoomers, I think, to make it Boomer with right. a Z. Because, mm-hmm, yep, and now because... And now they're Zoom, and everybody Zoomed. And they hate that part of their life, and, uh, and yeah... So there's there's a there's a uh, a, a kickback or a, what, a snapback snapback that's the thing right that's the, that's the slang a snapback uh, I thought those were hats <laughs> what was it and then the next like our kids are Generation Alpha are they calling them Generation Alpha I've heard that's that super funny is the thing is um, because they've hit Z mm-hmm. and I didn't realize because like. My dad would tell me, like, oh, yeah, they got the generations listed forever. And I said, uh, okay, because then when I'd look it up, I could only get back to, you know, uh, past silent generation. I can't remember. The greatest generation? I think oh, that's more. That's, I don't think that's an official term. It's not an official term. I, no. But maybe. But they'd go back to, you know, people who, it's like to, I can't remember what it, group it was but they were like the ones who were born in the 18 late 1800s that fought in world war one really i didn't know we went that that far back oh no 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 that's what i'm pointing out that's interesting that and then i was like oh they don't have a lot of them but then i found another page because this is tough you know you guys scan the wikipedias and stuff so you know you're only i was only finding like five generations and stuff then i found the other page where they got that stuff going like too like you know, 500 years. No Cause way. Cause yeah, because there's 26 letters in the alphabet. Yeah, but... That's why we're on Z. 
I thought we were only on Z because of gener- Generation X. But they call it Generation X because it was in the X column. And then they just kept it as Generation X. I thought it was Generation X because it was that extreme thing. Was that I don't the, think they had extreme yet when they started it. Well, I mean, there was extreme. Yeah, there was an extreme. Uh, no, like, yeah, exactly. Because no, that's like the 90s and stuff. That's like when I was a kid. But it kind of began it with all that stuff. It was the edge of that. Yeah. The edge of it. To be edgy. That yeah, was the whole. Two X's and no E's. Yep. That's right. That's right. No ease. I remember Magic Mountain had a roller coaster called X. And then I think they gave it a new paint job and made it. I think it was the same thing. But they're like, this is X2. X2. (laughs) And I was was like, what's the difference? Oh, I think it's purple instead of red. Twice the number of X's. That's the difference. (laughs) But then what you do is you put the the two in the the power column. So it's like twice the (laughs) X squared. X squared. <laughs> like when Alien 3 came out, they put the three up at the th- third power. That's funny. Which Alien was Cube. part of their. Lo- yeah, that's what my cousin's friends would call it. We're going to go see Alien Cube. That's what I would have called it too. That's funny. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know why way. they put the three way up there uh, other than dumb. a look hole. Or they're just saying this is three times the alien, which was funny because aliens had a million aliens in it and then Alien 3 had one alien. That's funny. And I thought it was going to be called... I thought they were going to do something and have three aliens in Alien 3. But no. No. No, you think they would have done something like that? Yeah, because it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, you have Alien, which is the... Um, the good one? Oh, no, of course it's a good one. It's one <laughs> of the best. But, I mean, it's like, it's an old um, haunted house movie. You got, you know, seven people yeah. stuck in a haunted house with a monster getting out. Okay, it's a spaceship and it's an alien, but that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Jason so, 10. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> Jason Extreme. Because <laughs> Jason <laughs> No, but it's, it's, you know, but that's how it is. So there's one monster and it's going to get you. Yeah. And then they say, what could be better than this? Aliens, plural. But it's not like three. It's like a million. Yeah. And they're unstoppable. It's waves of them. And they're fighting colonial marines. And everything's like, it turned into like from a horror movie to a horror movie. movie. It was more sci-fi worry. But it was still, you know, still had horror elements. And then, so then when they do Alien 3, you're like, oh, well, they already did one. They already did a million. They should do three. And it'd be a super alien. And then, no, instead they did one. Yeah. But it was like... Mecha aliens. No, have you ever seen Godzilla. Alien 3? No. Oh, he's it's a it's like a dog alien. Oh. So it's more of an animal. I mean, it's always been an animal, but it was more like a man, you know. The like st- stood up, you mean like yeah, it stood, okay. it, well there's a guy in a costume. Right, right. And right. he does this stuff. Versus but this bad is, CGI? Was it bad CGI? Tell me it was bad CGI. Um uh, there are parts. Yeah. But a lot of it's in shadows and puppets and stuff. Yeah. But the oh, idea is I like it, puppets. It, it, it you know, it's got the um like the dog legs, how the knees go backwards and stuff yeah, yeah. on animals. It was like that. So it was able to run real fast. So there's parts where everybody's like running on the tunnels and the thing just shoots there and it just flies at them because there's, it's so fast. That reminds me of, have you ever seen Attack the Block with Nick Frost on it? I know of it. You need to watch this movie because i never seen Alien 3, but that's a good description of the alien in Attack the Block. And there's lots of them. And they do puppets and, and a guy in a costume mixed with CGI, and it's not terrible. See, that's the way to go. Right. Because if you think about it, I think the problem was is when they stopped doing the hybrid and kind of right. only did CGI. Yep. Because, like, when Jurassic Park came out, all the old puppeteers and stuff are like, oh, God, our job's done. You know, 
because all this CGI stuff is really cool. But then, you know, and then it was gone. And then you realize that some of that's still, eh, you should keep it. Because, like, Jurassic Park is so good still to this day. It is good. Jurassic Park holds up. like, all the stuff with the T-Rex, like, right in your face. That's a real thing. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and... You know, but then there's the part when the dinosaurs are running along with them. Now you can see that it's like, oh, I can see it's some CGI. Right. But a lot of it's at night in the rain, so it hides it a little better. But yeah. that's the thing. But, so. it, but it still holds out. And you can you can suspend your disbelief in, in that because of the other things, the other elements in that. It's not straight CGI. That's like, did you, did the you watch? The tactile part. Yeah. yeah. Did you watch the um, the Jungle Cruise? No. Okay. So it's it's a, it's. Fun, but it's not nothing special about it. But what's interesting about it is because a lot of it was filmed during COVID land, and they couldn't do on-site filming. A large portion of the movie is done with green screen and, and CGI and, and all this stuff, and you can really tell, like, like and, Attack of the Clones, tell. Yes, and and I'm like, oh my goodness, how many how many films are going to come out like this where we're just going to be like, all right, let's just no, I don't let's think. just live in live in CGI land. Uh, well, if you think about it, if if you look at there's a, like a lot of the Avengers stuff is kind of that way because there's parts where you're like, I think they they were showing a scene from Black Widow where they're just sitting at a table with a green background. Wow. And and then you find out, oh, that's a scene where it's just a coffee house. Why couldn't they just go in front of a co- <laughs> Don't they have sense or something? Apparently, and, apparently and no it was sense. already post-COVID filming because it was supposed to come out in April. So all the primary stuff. So I don't know why they would do that. But there's a lot of that stuff. Like because like when they're on Titan, well, yeah, when they're were they on Titan? Yeah, when they're on Titan in uh, in Endgame, not Endgame, uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. That's all fake. Yeah. But it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. So you know that they're on a soundstage with green rocks and stuff and green backgrounds. Right. And it looks pretty good. But I feel like a lot of stuff that we just feel like it doesn't notice as well. They trick us enough that we don't feel like it's total CGI. Opposed to like Attack of the Clones where right. every, there's no, they never had a real clone trooper. Right. They never made a costume of the clone trooper. Mm-hmm. You know? <clears throat> Because they were all fake and digital. Yeah. So then you get to the point it makes where... makes the movie forgettable, and you can't enter into it. Well, let's not say forgettable. I but, oh, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, there's just parts of it where it's just... The problem was that was the cutting edge, and Lucas went way too much and wanted yeah. to use too much, and... YP people went <laughs> to make Yeah, Muppets. we'll make fake ones. <laughs> you know, so now it kind of looks a little more... A little more... Uh, Dated and fake than it did before. All right, cool. All right, so we're we're talking. What were we talking? Oh, we're talking about uh, the, the unique e- situation of a bishop. Yes, because uh, reflecting on our episode, if I had the bishop's ear, which you should listen. What number episode is that? Five eighty six. Huh? Well, I don't know. <laughs> he said 586. We don't 586. have 586. It's episode 586. If we had the bishop's ear, <laughs> let me turn up his microphone. Which was like. <laughs> Is it recording? Yeah. No. Oh wow. One hundred percent. So, so it, you, the unique situation of a bishop is that they they're they're in charge of this this wider flock, but also have um, the mandates to not enter directly into advocating politics, right? And so they can't say stuff like um, vote for this guy or any any of those things like that. And so whenever you start to move towards the correction of a politician, a bishop is has to balance this, right? 
and it has to balance this delicately because if he starts if he does something in which the flock is going to say like oh you know my bishop is on this particular political party because of how he's talking to this particular person in a political atmosphere uh, it becomes difficult but that doesn't give a bishop the off to say I don't have to do anything then once you reach a certain level of a political influence I no longer have to say anything you know you're untouchable that's not what happens what then becomes um, the responsibility of a bishop and I know bishops do this is to correct and draw near in fact they should draw even closer to that political person but in a pastoral setting that's not necessarily for the public eye and that stuff is is that's what it means to actually walk with somebody pastorally, and that's that's where bishops, and that's where bishops kind of like make that big difference and can move hearts and stuff like that. Like you think about, uh, um, I don't know if the, I don't know what was said or what, what went on beyond beyond that uh, conversation, but and this is probably a bad example, but it's the first one that came to my mind. Right? You remember that that one time that uh, Trump went and visited uh, the Pope. Yeah, and they, they yeah. did a handholding. Yeah, <laughs> is that the one where they had the the insert where it looked like yeah. he was trying to hold his hand and then he slapped sure that hand? That was real. I think that was real. <laughs> Those hands were so tiny, though. Small but, hands. Oh. And then they show all the times with Melania when he tries to hold her hand and then she slaps it away. <laughs> Nobody wants to touch it. <laughs> Oh, it oh, is yeah. episode uh, 17. Episode 17. XVII. In the midst of uh, COVID. In the midst land. of COVID, when we, just for frame of reference, it was when we, uh, the state of Nevada allowed churches to open, but at a capacity, max capacity of 50 people, mm-hmm. no matter the size of your parish. So, um, you know, a, a parish like Holy Family and, uh, and the Shrine. We're still only allowed fifty people, right. no matter the you know the size difference and science. Yeah, and the pet peeve that I have with that, and taking us back to our topic, All is pet that peeves. is is that um, people assume that if they people assume that the bishop is accountable to uh, and has to tell them everything that's going on in in their in hey how's it going and that it has to tell them like he's responsible to, to tell them all the things that he's doing, and that's not a bishop's responsibility. Like the the bishop has the responsibility to to love and care and lead his flock, and we have a responsibility to to love and care and follow our bishop. But the bishop does not have a responsibility to say, "Oh, hey, I wrote this letter to this guy." You know, that's 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 playing a political game, and that's just that's not something that our bishop has uh, has a responsibility to do. What do you think? Uh, what do you think people believe that he has a responsibility to tell them? Because of the news, because of the twenty-four hour news cycle, where where every politician has a has a they see bishops as celebrities and politicians. That's how most people see a bishop. They they don't understand that that's not the bishop's role. He's not a celebrity. He's not a politician. He's a shepherd. And to to the extent that he uh, does something in private with another person, that's not that's not your that's not your purview. You, you don't have a right to that information. You don't have a right to know the conversations that he had with Sisolak. You know, you don't you don't have a right to know uh, the conversation that he has with me. Like it's the same thing, and that because he's the shepherd, he's the father of, the, of our diocese. That's it. Because if he was a politician, he would be like, I had a meeting right. with him, and I told and I him, said this, and, and I fought I for you, my my, th- mm-hmm. my Catholic vote constituents. For me. Vote for me next time, yeah. <laughs> because remember, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. Right. 
Right. It's not. That's like what. That's that's because uh, um, the Anglican Church has it has an electoral pos- process for their bishops and stuff like that. Oh, then they're going to be like that. Right. That's the funny thing too. Because if you look, that's the problem with term limits on uh, senators and congressmen and stuff, because they're always going to be campaigning. Right. You know, because it's like when you see presidents in like their seventh year or eighth year, they're not. They're in the. They don't have as many F's to give as right. before because guess what? They're out no matter what. And can you imagine the turmoil of a diocese if the bishops were elected by the people? Like what what the bishops would would have to do, and like how the bishops would would uh, turn everything into a political game like we currently have. They would be like like our um, hot mess political realm. Yeah. But in the church, which we have a little bit of that, because people still see see themselves as politicians, even if they're inside and the there, church. And there are inside politics, right? And there's inside politics and, and stuff like that. And, but and money a good bishop talks, and right. But a good bishop goes beyond and above all those things, and, and recognizes the true role of what he is. You know, he is the episcopal see. He is the, the the teaching authority, the extension of of the pope, the the successor to the apostles that he's called to be and and that's what a good bishop recognizes and you, we don't get to know those those conversations like one of my favorite things was um do you remember john paul ii whenever he got shot by that guy whose name i can't remember yeah 1983 or 86 or whatever that yeah, was pretty, yeah early yeah. 80s uh, and that's the the dawning of the pope mobile because yes. of that incident but he had a conversation with that guy afterwards like uh, after he had, had he had recovered he met the guy in prison and he sat with him, and nobody has nobody has privileged that conversation, and nobody needed to know that he went no. there. But he sat with him, and he had that conversation with him, and the guy talks about it and how healing that was for him. But that but that was that was a shepherd, you know. That was not a political move. He didn't have to go and, and do this thing, you know. He didn't. Nobody had to know about it, although people knew about it because of reasons. But yeah. you know, that wasn't a, it, it wasn't something that needed to be. There was no press conference to get him reelected, you know. Yeah, because popes don't get reelected. No, they do get elected. They don't get reelected. So the ones to watch out for are cardinals. There was this one pope. <laughs> <laughs> there was this pope Bishops, okay. back in, um, gosh, I think it was like the nine hundreds. Who was a pope three times? Do you know that guy's name off the top of your head? Three times. Is this where first time he became a pope? He was fourteen years old. Oh, this does sound familiar. I, it's insane, yeah. I only know this because I used to have this Pope chart in my bedroom when I was a kid, and I tried memorizing them like I did with the presidents. The presidents are funny. Yeah, no, it's easier, way too many popes. It's yeah, 266 to to popes. 46, 46 presidents. Versus, <laughs> well, especially when their names are like Thomas and John. But when uh, you right. start getting to, like, uh, Aloysius, like, right. like that, you're like, well. Or, and, and, and John well, also I got 23 had, of them, right? And There's John 23 Adams, Adams. Benedict V. And John Quincy Adams, but... There's also 80, yeah, 82 Benedicts and how many innocents? And there was innocent one, two, three, four in a row. And one of and them is bad, five. and we can't remember which one. Yeah, I think it's, it's the 12. one after the first innocent. Then you start questioning things. You're like, wait a minute. He can't be innocent, he too. Can't know what but I always love how there's like four guys that are four, four guys in a row with the same name. Then it's like 200 years, and then they start up again. So, so those who are just catching on, we are sitting here with. Uh, uh, uh. Are we allowed to say. Uh, uh, uh. Name. We can call him HB for the uh, not anonymity. <laughs> We're hanging with HB here at the table and uh, editing out things strategically in order to have him here at the table. This is a politicized show. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. right? It sounds real good. Yeah. 
<laughs> we run on religion. He's waiting for re-election. Yeah. <laughs> we are speaking on um, pet peeves, Catholic pet Absolutely. Peeves, What's right? your pet, yeah. Catholic pet peeve? Wow, I shouldn't say it because I'm pretty sure it's going to happen today. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I have a lot of pet peeves. I think my biggest pet peeve is hypocrites. Yes. I, I feel bad saying that, but I, I feel like when... I was listening to someone talk last night, and they were mentioning how if if the Christian life does not transform your whole being, then you are you're essentially a hypocrite. You, know, you, you can't you can't continue to do some of the same things that you've always done, and just expect that it to be the same. Right? If if Christ has not changed your life, and you're not praying, and you're not you're not sharing the gospel with people. And the way he's calling and inviting you into, then are you really transformed? Was the question he left it with people. So I, I think that's my biggest frustration. Um, but I, I think there's got to be mercy shown with people right. too, because they they don't know what they don't know, and if, if they haven't really had a full conversion and they think they have, is that their fault too? Well, right. Even even that language of full conversion though is difficult because how many people have full conversion to where they're they're like. Re- entirely repulsed by sin. That's 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 oh, sure. that's a. That, that, I mean, like, like I feel like your your statement of like hypocrites. But sometimes I feel like one. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm the I'm the the Catholic, the professional Christian guy. Uh, but I'm not always all that holy. Even though, and I. But here's the difference: is I recognize my failures and I go to confession. You know, that's 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 the difference. And I try to you know grow from that. I go to confession not just as like, uh, oh, this is this is my clean slate, wipe it away type, type deal, but I go to confession with a firm intent of like, I, I'm, I need to turn away from that, and I need to, I need to be, be stronger in that. It's, that's a, um, it's that reliance on God's grace to be able to move from there. So that's why it's, it's uh, um, I get that, but at the same time, I think there's room for the hypocrite. Hmm. I think there's room for the hypocrites uh, here, and we had this episode um, called uh, um, "Neil is crude and David is rude. We are the body of Christ." Yeah, right. That was the um, not it, my favorite title, <laughs> but in that we're talking about the the reality four. of that um, we are called to to live and treat one another as brothers and sisters. And learning to live with one another, and learning to love with one another, and learning to um, be okay with hypocrisy to a certain degree, but at the same time being able to call your brothers and say, you know, like, have you looked at this? Is this something you're working on, or is this not not just completely saying like, oh, that just person just doing whatever? But but the church has to be big enough for us to be able to to welcome that person in also. Yeah. And to be able to say, and to be able to journey with that person, and gradually bring them in as they, you know, uh, as they grow forward, and that's that's the thing is like, I have particular bad habits. Like I'm I'm kind of rude. <laughs> it's and I, I don't necessarily know that I am sometimes. I don't, I don't my think wife, you are rude. I haven't, I can't, I haven't I can't, seen I can't, it. I can't be very. I've watched videos of myself. <laughs> Like at like a birthday party or whatever, with kids opening presents, and I say some of the rudest stuff. I'm like, holy crap, that came out of my mouth, and you didn't smack me. <laughs> and that was a, uh, uh, and that's just one of those things. Is like, 
some of those some of those habits or way of living are just ingrained into us and we are in the process of conversion but not necessarily fully converted so yeah because it's a it's a it's an ongoing process yes it's we're not never gonna saved, be finished we're saved. never gonna be perfect and, well uh, well there is there is perfection that's the you know that's that scripture is is Christ perfects the work that he has begun in you. That's that's what that's what's happening is Christ is moving in us, bringing us to perfection, bringing but, us to Right, but that does that that's okay. that is for most people completed in purgatory. Yeah, I was going to Okay, <laughs> sorry. We will never earthly be perfect. Yeah. No, so I I believe that some people throughout throughout the history of the Catholic Church and saints and stuff like that have reached their their possible degree of perfection in this life. But most people, and then that they had to die so they didn't mess up. And that, that perfection happens in purgatory, and that's the point of purgatory. Is Christ I'm, is bringing bringing forth the the work that he he began in you? I think I'm one of those people that have reached perfection. Are uh, you at a pretty early? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I saw that. Well, it's not surprising, right? Um, <laughs> one of the one of my favorite things I, when I was a net missionary, one of my friends would always say when she was upset with somebody. Conversion is a lifelong process. Yes. And she'd do that, you know, the eyes should just be like, conversion's a lifelong process. Yep. It's a it, has life, and a, was, it has to be a mantra. I love Sometimes that. Sometimes that's, that's exactly what it is. And uh, it was it St. Paul who wrote, you know, I do the things, uh, I don't do the things I, I want, want to, to do. do. I do the things that I don't want to do. Yeah, St. Paul. Yeah. And uh, so I, I don't really consider those people hypocrites as much as I would, I would consider just the outright, like, you're not living anything like what you should be living right. at all. And uh, and I think... And if you believe that you're living right, even though you're not, that's the difference. Or is it also the people who are saying, I am totally living <laughs> the way I'm supposed right. to be living, and you guys need to catch up. And they have six wives and 17 illegitimate children, like Pope Innocent, whatever. <laughs> and, and he murdered people. You don't know this story. No. There's yeah. one of those. One of those innocent guys one was of those, not so One innocent. of those innocent guys was not that innocent. Yeah. Wow. There, it's on your poster. It, yeah. Probably. It's I, I it's threw away that poster a long time but ago. <laughs> but it's not lit up. <laughs> when I realized I couldn't memorize them, I just was like, I need to burn this. Uh, I don't need all these. Have you been to St. Paul's Outside the Walls? Uh, no, actually. When we went to Rome, we did not go there. Are you kidding me? I'm you dead loved serious. It we went everywhere up. else. They have we have the popes up on the walls, but then those popes that were like bad. Bad guys. Their lights aren't lit. Really? Oh, yeah. so I like that because it's like, hey, we're not, we're not tearing down the Confederate statues of these right. bad popes. We're leaving them up there, but we're, but they're we're not sh- lit, unless they are lit, but totally in hell. Oh, good lit. I didn't know if you're going cool lit no. like the kids do. <laughs> oh, no. but uh, that's like something that you say and you put on the intro of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but what else was it? Our intros are always awkward and weird. Yeah. What was it, though, too? No, I like that, too, because um, what was it? I was, um, I think it's in Easter, you have the 14 candles. And Father Francis used to say that they're supposed to be the 12 disciples plus Paul and Matthias, the uh, replacement Replacement. disciple. But the thing that you're supposed to do is you're supposed to blow out one of those candles for Judas. So his candle's still there. So funny. But you blow out the fire so it's not lit. So, but nobody knows that, but that's I guess. Not, is, it, is it the two candelabras or two seven candelabras? Yeah, there's two seven candelabras. Right. That's not what objectively they mean. But that's what he told <laughs> that's me. So and I was funny, like, though. oh, look, there's 14, 12 apostles, Paul and Matthias. 
I, I no, can do the, the math. No, the two candelabras are an image of Christ. So you have the uh, in. Uh, the the number seven is the number of perfection. You look right. at Matthew's gospel, the seven generation or the six generations. The new thing beginning with Christ is the seventh generation, and the dual of them is the uh, humanity and divinity of Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why we have those seven uh, uh, the can- candelabras with the seven on them, and why we usually put two up. But that's super funny though. That's a great story. I, I don't like know. That. I don't know if he did it as a joke <laughs> or if that's what he thought. But I mean, you know, I don't know. He was like chief justice for a long time and stuff. So <laughs> I assumed he knew his stuff. Oh, he knows his stuff. But that could be just like one of those, maybe it's maybe that's what it is in the Eastern tradition. Oh, it could but be. that's in, in Roman art. That's not what that's for. <laughs> yeah, well, I always liked it. But oh, real quick, and then back to your hypocritism thing, there, Hector. Yeah, like, we're hypocrites. We were talking about that last night coffee. a little bit. And one of the things that is a pet peeve is the way, not us judging hypocrites, but on how others judge you as being a hypocrite because you're a church person. So if you meet somebody and then you're like, they're like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I work for the church. It's cool. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you go to church? Yeah, yeah. I mean, enough to work there? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love church. Okay, cool. And then the, then later you like bust, hit your toe and you're like, oh, mother effer. And they're like, oh, He's a church guy. I can't Is there anything wrong with that? that? There's nothing wrong with that, right? We need to do a whole episode on cursing, actually, and the morality of cursing, because yeah. there's a, there's, I don't there's varying a, degrees. I don't think that's a good idea. Viani said something, right? Like, cursing is the, uh, it's like the spout or something like that to hell. Did you hear that quote? That's oh. so interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, he says it much better than me. So, okay. oh, did you guys agree with cursing? You guys think it's okay? Uh, so, it's, um, uh, I don't I am curse. Sorry. No, 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 because... No, that's a really interesting discussion. It's one that we want to have here because there is a certain part. There's, certain there's an edit thing on there yeah. to bleep me. Yes. He curses a Can lot. He- it's right here. No! Uh, let me ask you a weird question. How often do you end up going to... Am I loud all of a sudden? You yeah, can just you hear got- yourself on the speaker below you. Yeah. When, when you go to... Um, People walked past already. When you, when you swear and stuff, after you go to confession, how often do you realize that you don't swear after that? He doesn't go to confession for swearing. He doesn't go to confession, you said? For swearing. Oh, yeah, for swearing. Yeah, for, for swearing. Well, so, like, when you go to confession, <laughs> and after confession, like, it's, you probably don't swear for a while, am I right? I guess you try to, I don't know, I'm trying to think. So, Vianney's point, and we can look up the exact quote. Jamie, pull that up. That's, that's a Joe it's Rogan, Joe Rogan oh, podcast no. reference. Oh, I was um, like, who the heck is I Jamie? was like, when did we get, he's we got a producer? <laughs> to Vianney's point, it. he's saying, producer. If uh, <laughs> if somebody is in a state of sin, they have a tendency to swear more. That's oh. true. Oh, so that's what I was pointing to. I like to. how you look at me when you say that. <laughs> wow, David's like I I already said on how I don't swear much, Neil. But but in the but in the same talking, like like the um, did you say talking? In the same talking, I, I heard that too. I heard uh, that Lord of the Rings, huh? <laughs> but in in the same token, it's it's the. Uh, um, there, there is a, an aspect to, to swearing and cursing and stuff like that that is immoral, especially whenever you're swearing and cursing others, mm. um, because then you're you're falling into you're breaking the fifth commandment. Essentially, you, you are calling raka to your brother, right? That's 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 basically it. Um, but ontologically, those words don't have. Um, intrinsic value they have the value which is given which is given to them unto culture right so the other aspect of of sin in there could be the sin of scandal right 
So if you hear your bishop spouting off curse words or something, you know that's that's the sin of scandal, right? So that's why if if you would hear said thing, it would not be from the pulpit. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because yeah. that's the sin of scandal. But um, but of frustration, we have expletives that we use, right? They might not be culturally considered curse words, but they're certainly expletives. You know, they they are whether you're yelling out Kelly Clarkson whenever you <laughs> stub your toe or whatever. Or you get your to be. chest whacked. Is that is that Michael Scott? Is that, yeah. is that what I'm thinking? Well, it's it's forty year old virgin. It's 40-year-old oh, it virgin. is Steve Carell. It's Steve Carell okay. when they rip his chest hairs off. Yeah. <laughs> Michaela made me watch that movie once. She was like, "You'll love this." It's movie. so good. It's, so, right? it's pretty good. Or if you watched um, the Incredible Mr. Fox, have you ever watched the Incredible Mr. Fox? No. George Clooney, fantastic. It's really good. Um, the, but they're Muppets, and it was done stop motion animation. And um, but they're not Muppets. Uh, what was the word that they would say constantly in place of the swear words? Because it's a kids movie, so there's no actual swear words, but there's expletives. The cuss you are. The cuss am I? Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me. Don't cuss and point. You're gonna cuss with somebody. You're not gonna cuss with me, you little cuss. And it's so interesting because it gives you that reality of, okay, there is a a necessity of time and place for expletives, but not necessarily vulgarity. Right, and so that's so. If if the time and place calls for the expletive, you're not necess- you're not necessarily well, depending on your own conscience. You're not objectively like um, you're not objectively utilizing evil, right? In in that particular situation, or in using that particular word. But your circumstances might be such. This is one thing that wasn't talked about in the morality thing. But your circumstances might be such that that might still be gravely sinful. Because the act in and of itself might not have a negative morality, might be might be um, might be neutral, right? And then your intention might not be towards the um, towards the the defamation of another person, but your circumstances might be such that you are you are a bishop or a um, a person of influence in in a particular area, like with teens or something like that. Yeah. And which case that would make it an inappropriate usage and potentially gravely sinful, yeah. but not automatically sinful, not automatically gravely sinful. Yeah. Um, it could be sinful. I mean, it's, with Neil, it's definitely sinful. But, uh, <laughs> but but not necessarily gravely sinful in every circumstance. So Vianney was probably, that's probably what he was referencing then. It's the priest. Yeah. Because I would like to see that quote in, in the fullness of, uh, of what he was talking about because I bet you he was talking, I mean, he talked with youth all the time, in which case... In that scenario, it could definitely be gravely sinful, yeah. because you're in in that in that area of influence, and you are uh, potentially causing scandal and all those other things. Mm-hmm. So back. That's to our episode on swearing without having <laughs> to talk go. about uh, oh, yeah. fornication under consent of the king. Yes, and oh, I didn't say go. it once. <laughs> so, but back to the point, and I do swearing as just a, a thing. But anytime you do something, back to the hip- hypocrisy. Is anytime then you do something yeah. that may look sinful or whatnot, people will judge you more than anybody else yep. because they know you're a church going man. Yep, that's why yeah. I feel bad for my kids. Because it's, <laughs> you know, because then it's like, oh, look at him. He just said that. Or right. look at him. He did this. Or look at him. He did something that everybody does or whatnot. But we're going to hold you more accountable. 
because you go to church. Yeah. And because a lot of people look at church as, well, I've already graduating being good, so now I get to go to church. Where people should look at church as the hospital of getting better. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, I am a sinner. I'm a terrible sinner, so I go to church. Actually, he's really good at it. That's the problem. Okay. I'm not a terrible sinner. I'm a great sinner. <laughs> great sinner. Phenomenal. Yes. Out of sinning, I should get medals. No, but the fact is... <laughs> They're giving crowns in hell, too, didn't you know? I'll bronze this time. Next time, I'm coming for silver. Yeah. 30 pieces of it. <laughs> so... Welcome to the show. Yes. Among like the new 52 version of Phantom Stranger. That one you have to look up. But, so, the point is, they will look at you that way, and they don't see that church. You you don't have to have your ID card and swipe it. It's like, wow, you're very good. You can go to church today. Mm-hmm. But the idea of that, it's like, My what's it called? state of grace badge. What was it? Yes, state of grace badge. Right here. And, the you know, what was it that Jesus didn't, you know, went to see the sinners and hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes? I don't think he did that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, he didn't go to the people. Hey, David, you're doing. He would probably not come to you guys, maybe to me, if he came back today because it's like, what do I need to talk to him about? I got a lot of work over here. And yeah. that's the idea. That's the church way. The church isn't for the perfect. No. It's, it's to it's, help. It's for Zacchaeus. Yeah. Yeah, get out of that tree, you shorty. I belong there, not you. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to know that because you're tall enough. You'd be like, I was probably taller than the tree. Yeah, well, especially back then. If you were your height then, you would have been like Goliath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Did you remember that? Short. The Family Guy episode? I love the Family Guy episode <laughs> where Jesus shows up and he's <laughs> short. He's like, all right. You didn't know 2,000 years ago people were people a lot, lot shorter. shorter. Okay, everybody. Uh, I know you were expecting something else, but as science will tell you, people were a lot shorter 2,000 years ago. So let's try to be adult about this. Uh, no snickering. And <laughs> Hey, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so if we can all be mature, give me the gum, we can all get through this a lot faster. Yeah. Family Guy's tough for me. <laughs> well, parts of it are, I li- are really I like tough. Part- I want to laugh at Family Guy, but I have a hard time with Family Guy. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's great about it is it's, if you understand that you're watching satire, and you understand that, it's, that the, the whole goal of Family Guy is to point out ridiculous things. Yeah, and to to get people to think about the ridiculous things um, in a different way, because sometimes we just do stuff. And we don't think about it. That's what that's what com- great comedy is. It's looking at stuff that seems really normal to other people. That is odd if you if you just take a second to think about it. How we treat particular things, it just doesn't make any sense. One of my favorite things with Family Guy is um, the Road to the North Pole. Have you ever seen that episode? No. It's a Christmas episode, and it is wildly inappropriate. But they're pointing out all the, the those these weird Christmas things that we do, and they're just like, this makes no sense. Like hanging up Christmas lights, or like reindeer and uh, Santa's workshop, and th- these kinds of things. And it's super funny, like because they Santa's like the slave driver, and he's cloned all these elves, and then the reindeer went rabid and started eating them. Like it's. <laughs> Because of all the all the toys that he had to make for all the people to make people happy, and it, it, it's so funny. You were supposed to be jolly and happy. I used to be a long time ago. I made toys for little boys and girls. I loved my work, and they loved me. But it just got out of hand. The world's population kept growing and growing. Kids wanted more toys, fancier toys. 
We used to make wooden choo-choos and rag dolls. You ever try to make an iPod? I've got orders for millions of them. Oh, that reminds me. I need a new version of Quicken. But it's it's pointing out, or, and it's it, it's like grotesque because that's what they do sometimes. But it's pointing out the reality of like we are putting so much value into this magical thing that that it we're missing the point. And the, he they don't they don't describe what the point is, but they're just saying we're missing the point. Even them putting on this the show that is like atheistic essentially recognize that people are missing the point at Christmas. Hmm. And I think that's cool, but that's that's uh, that's that's satire. Satire is meant to do that, yeah. and they're just kind of more grotesque and vulgar than a lot of other satires, which is why I like The Simpsons better. Yeah, Simpsons is great too. Well, Simpsons is better. Yeah, Simpsons is ob- objectively, objectively better. Objectively better. It's it is a uh, would put it in the realm of beauty. <laughs> Von Balthazar would. <laughs> Von Balthazar. Well, not the first few episodes because they're a little crudely drawn. That's okay. They were still hilarious. No, you were saying beauty. So yeah. Making, whatever. I Shut understand up. what you meant. Yeah. Then Taking. Then don't poop on my point. I'm sorry. <laughs> I poop on his point. Yeah, I poop on you. What, what's one of you guys' frustrating things with the church, with pet peeves? My frustrating thing with pet peeves is, is you have to be Republican to be Catholic. You like have to be what? When people think you have to be Republican to be Catholic, that's a, that's a massive pet peeve that I. Oh, have. or was it the fact, that, or is it the other way that if you're Catholic, you're automatically Republican? Right. Yeah. If you're Catholic, you're automatically Repu- any any of those things. Like that, that bothers the crap out of me because yeah. there's there is no like as a as a Catholic, we don't fit into anybody's box. There's I don't no political think I've ever party that, that, ma- that matches us. Really? I, honestly, people I've, just assume that I'm Republican sometimes because I'm Catholic. Oh, I, I think I've always gotten the other side. Oh, that's oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that you're a Democrat. Yeah, because you're out feeding the homeless. Yeah, well, because they they're really (laughs) they're huge advocates for a lot of social justice. The Democrats are. They really are. Yeah, you know, and like immigration's a huge thing with them, and um, yeah, and with us, the color blue for Mary. Obviously, that's why they chose blue. (laughs) (laughs) And they chose they chose a donkey because Jesus rides in a donkey, (laughs) and they they want to escort Jesus into the states. I mean, it's hugely that's what. So I guess I don't know. That's super funny. I would have thought of that's great. <laughs> they even chose a Catholic guy to be our president. So uh, yeah, and he's, and he's very divisive. Yeah, Kennedy, right? <laughs> no Catholic Republicans, presidents. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, we don't fit in that box. No, because it's funny too. Because you look at the things like you're saying. It's like, you know, you look at the like you were talking about with. Uh, like the immigration and social justice is just like what we do, right? And but. Well, it's like, what's Healthcare. it called? What I hate, too, is everybody lumps in pro-life with the Republican Party. Which is a ruse. Which is, yeah. It's a ruse. Which, it's a ruse. which they probably use just to get the Catholic vote. But right. the fact still is, it's always like, I always hate like those little political cartoons or whatever, where it's like, oh, well... Um, the, you know, the pro-lifers love love fetuses, but once they're born, well, then they don't care because they don't want to help with welfare and they don't want to do this. And it's all get a job, you baby that's one month old and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of funny because the most pro-lifers I know are Catholic. And who are the most charitable organization in the world is Catholic. So not only are we tr- banging the drum for those babies being born, but we're also helping the poor family. Who needs the help? You know, I mean, I yeah. don't know. Just think of the amount of pallets of food they have just for the St. Therese Center. Right. I mean, 
to your point, there's a vendor in here called the Women's Resource Center, and um, they just did a video, and we watched it, and they had it to where the first five years of a child's life, they're like providing supplies for the unexpected child or the unwanted pregnancy. I don't, I don't know what to call it. Um, I've never heard of anybody doing something like that. You know, that's phenomenal. That's awesome. You guys both just looked at each other. No, no. Oh, no, okay. I, mean, I didn't know if you guys have heard something else. No, no, else no. Like, no. Oh. I, haven't, I mean, I've, I know there are, are things like that. And yeah, what's the... Center, Living Grace Homes is the That's, that's the one, Living okay. Grace Homes. Okay. That's where I almost said Saving Grace Homes. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful that they're doing that. Yeah. yeah. Living the, Grace Homes is amazing, too. Yeah. Yeah, and what's it called? Even, like... Didn't, didn't we invent in vor, uh, um, um, uh, orphanages and stuff? Yeah. That's us. Catholics. <laughs> and schools. And schools. And universities, yeah. And, and, and hospitals, if I'm right. Hospitals, yes. Yeah. Hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Did you ever read the book, um, How a Catholic Church Built, Built Western? Western Civilization? Did you read that? Uh, no, I read a... Um, a Cliff Notes? Would you let me know no. when you read that so you could give me a synopsis? Because I know one. I won't read What's it. The one I'm not going to read it up. either. Can you just read I it? I picked up another one by the by the same author. It was a history It was a history of the Catholic Church. Can you read it to me? You want me to just read it to Yeah, you? if you In want. Because I'm reading New Moon right now. It's really getting good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you. He took no, my coffee. We, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do audiobooks in the car with commentary. Will we drive home from conference? From I'll just read books. Wow. Because either he'll buy a book. Well, he'll buy, I'll okay, buy first of all, books. he'll buy 38 books. And he's like, what do you want to hear? None of those. Oh, here's one of the history of something. All right, I'll listen. Then he'll listen to that what one. What was it? The, the one I liked was. 20, uh, uh, the 21 Ecumenical Councils one. Yes. That was a good book. That actually sound, that sounds yeah. really good. It was so fantastic. Was, Anything with numbers always gets me interested for yes, some reason. Yeah. Because it was that one because he, it, it was all. It was just a review of each council and yeah. what happened. And I'm like, ooh, this is good. I like that. And then the one I actually bought, because there's never a book that I really want ever. And then the one I bought, I think it's still on my bedside with the bookmarker where you where I put it <laughs> a year and a half ago. But it was like... Um, ten dates every Catholic should know. Oh yeah, that was a good book too. Ten and dates, dates, ten, ten dates. Oh, yeah, like, dates. You know, going, they started what, with Edict of Milan, right? I thought it was. Which one did they start with? I thought it started with uh, was it Constantine's conversion? Oh, did they start with Constantine's conversion or the Edict of Milan? And it was either three hundred three or three thirteen that they started then. Okay, so okay, well, see now now we're doing a bad job of promoting this book. I know, but it was a lot of the. I thought it was a lot of Constantine in there. It was a lot. Well, Constantine's with the Edict of Milan. Well, yeah, too. I mean, you're right. So. <laughs> It covered Maybe they put it all in one big yeah, chunk. They probably just put it it's all in one. It's been a year and a half. It's been a while. But that was the whole thing. So it was all on that, you know. So it wasn't like uh, year 33. It was. It started, you know, year 300. And yeah. it's probably going to go throughout, you know, Protestant Reformation and, and into more recent years or something. You know, probably Vatican probably, II or something. Probably, but we'll never get that far because But we got so many more trips to Anaheim. Yeah, but I'll get a new book by then. I know, but I might not want to hear it. <laughs> I think I, I like the idea of books. Like, I think I like the idea of books, and then I start reading, like, two chapters, and then I'm like, wow, I could be doing something else with my time. And that's then why I, just, audio I never books, pick it up. Audio honestly. books are the way to go. But I can't stand it. I can't. Yeah, he can't, he can't listen to stuff. Oh, I, have a, I, I won't even listen to this, and I'm on it. And I, I feel bad saying that. But Well, like, no, that's good, because it doesn't show your vein. I, just, I, I, I honestly... I hear my own voice. <laughs> I don't like my voice either, and I also never listen to our show, because I'm like, I lived it, I don't need to see it. And then I felt like it was also like, 
I don't want to listen to it because then it's like, oh, I'm listening to me. And then David would be like, did you hear all the cool things I put into the show? And then I'm like, okay, now I'm being a jerk because he's working hard to make the show good. Do you and I don't listen even... to it, David. I have to. So I've re-listened to each episode two or three times. Oh my gosh. Because yeah. he has to edit everything and put everything in. Yeah, and... but I listen to it on two times speed. Wow. Yeah. Oh, we it... sound better at two times speed. I also put it on two times speed too. Yeah. Because way that way I could get through the, the episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then David got me into listening to podcasts at one and a half times speed. At least I can't and, handle. I can't handle one time speed. And now, on the, well, the problem was when I first did it, it was hard because I'm like, okay, it's I'm having trouble catching up. Especially if somebody talks fast anyway, so then they seem like really fast. Now the problem is I've now adjusted to one yeah. time speed or one and a half. And the everybody biggest, sounds drunk at regular speed. Yeah, because they talk <laughs> like this, you know. So when I hear me on one time speed, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm taking yeah. so long to do I everything. <laughs> I can't. If, Can if I it come break, up with the like, sentence? Or, yeah. <laughs> So everything's at one and a half, so it feels... And then when I listen to us, we're just blasting it because it's like, I just I already know what happened, so I just kind of want to hear the finished product. So I'll do it in two times speed, so an hour-long episode, I get done in a half hour. What got you guys started in podcasting? Like, why'd you guys start doing this? Well, I used to listen to For the money and lot. the women. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we got a long way to go. Is that how you guys met GV? Yeah, no. Because oh. our podcast was that good in no. the past. <laughs> We are the no, wolves. No, we, uh, um, so I think this really started from like after retreats and stuff like that when people would hang out with us and we would talk about like theology or, or things that were just breaking down. And, um, and people would say, you guys should do a podcast, right? And then, and then we started thinking as we were getting older, like a lot of the teens that are entering into the program currently are, um, their parents are around our age. <laughs> And so you're like, what do we do a lot? We listen to a lot of podcasts. And so how, what's a way that we can help them? And then, um, and then we, so we started out with this idea of like, okay, well, what if we did a podcast where we're like tackling some of the theological stuff that their kids are going to be going through in the confirmation classes and yeah. stuff like that. And then, so we did like a couple episodes like that, but then Neil and I just like to talk. <laughs> and so it just turned into this weird amalgam of like just nerdy cult- culture stuff with Mixed with politics and theology and all kinds of stuff. Superheroes too, right? You oh yeah, superheroes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And then, the, and so the the reason why I like doing it primarily now is so my kids have something to like, like that's what my dad thought. You know, like this is the, the, this is where my dad was whenever I was growing up, and because like my dad, he never shared like his thoughts and views and, and things with me. It was just my dad's a quiet guy, and I'm I'm a pretty quiet guy, and so to have like an opportunity for my kids to, or something for my kids to look back and says, this is what my dad thought about the coronavirus thing that happened whenever I was a kid. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's cool to me. Yeah. And that's worth, that's worth doing this whole thing for me. So, oh, but another thing too, when he, uh, when uh, David was talking about, we were trying to sync the podcast with the classes was kind of the idea. So it's like, oh, now we're going to do, um, what was it like the morality with uh, finances or something? What was that? Um, which which class was that for the with the commandment we were supposed to hit with that? Oh, that's gonna be thou shalt not steal. I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, because it was even into like 
communal if, if you're getting paid and you and you don't work, you're really stealing for the company. <laughs> and it's like, whoa. And who did I do? One of the Madrid sisters. She's like, oh, I took a finance. I have a degree in finance. And I I'm know. like, then why am I teaching am I the t- class? <laughs> She's like, no, you teach. I'll just I'll just fill in stuff. And I'm like, okay. So, but like, if that was the case, and then we try to sync up an episode to talk about those things on a on not a teaching level, but right. just a discussion level. Listen. Yeah, and, and where we actually wrestle with the stuff and say, because there's, there's areas of prudential judgment in all these things. And that's kind of where we, that's kind of where we fall. Yeah. And then the thing is, if we wanted to, the parents could be like, Oh, this is the class for, you know, week seven of, of the thing. Let's listen to what these guys had to say. Now I worried about all the kids getting yanked out of class because they don't want to <laughs> us teaching them anymore. No, I just, but um, like that was the initial kind of thing. Yeah, that's it. And then what do you guys think about um, Venom and Carnage, that movie coming out October? 1st. The first one wasn't good. Oh, okay, but it, that's that's an opinion. But okay, <laughs> here's the thing, real quick. Tom Holland might be one of the best actors of all time. So oh, Hardy. I thought that was great. I oh. thought him, uh, him. You mean Tom Hardy? Being, yeah, yeah, Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom yeah, Holland yeah. is Spider Man. Yeah. Tom Holland's okay. I all thought the that Toms. Was, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tom Hardy. <laughs> That that was what was redeemable about that movie was oh, the him. Really good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Him in being in love version. with himself as Carnage was the or as a Venom was the best part of that movie, but the rest of the movie was trash. Okay. I I my opinion was is that wasn't the Venom movie I wanted, but it was good. It was the Venom was movie Venom. you deserved. I deserved. <laughs> it's not the year. It's not the year I wanted. <laughs> This is, a, this is the venom you're gonna get. You know, I, I, and I, my, my Batman impression has slowly stopped being my impression of Christian Bale, and way morphed into the how it should have ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman, is, I like it. You want to know my secret identity? identity? Have you ever watched How It Should Have Ended? That's a good. That's a good oh, YouTube with channel. The, was it called Fat Man? Right? No, 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 no. no. This is where you got to find. From it's Comedy a, Central. No, 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 no. It's, it's on, on YouTube. It's on YouTube. There's a channel. Yeah, his, it's called How It Should Have Ended. Oh. And the idea is they took movies and they said, this is how it should have ended. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, one of the early ones was Predator. Yes. Because there's a so part good. in Predator, he literally does it, where the one girl, Anna, picks up a gun and he kicks it out of her hand and says, don't. You were on arm. That's why you didn't die. And it's like, oh, okay. Everybody, put your weapons down. But the, yeah. So, but yeah, everybody still keeps all their weapons. <laughs> And even Billy goes out there with a big old, big old uh, uh, machete trying to fight him and everything. So and then he dies. Yes, and then he dies. Screams off screen. But the thing is, <laughs> but in the in the little cartoon, they're sitting there, and then Billy's the guy. He's like, "Well, if we don't have our weapons, you know, let's just." So you have him and Paco and, and Arnold and the four guys, the the three. The three surviving guys and the girl. And they just walk they, off. They're okay. And then even the predator goes up to him and he picks up a gun and he like pokes him like, like hey, no, man, I'm good. take you the gun. No, 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 no. We're good. We don't need the gun. No, take the gun. And then they get the chopper and go yeah. home. My favorite part of that is Ar- Arnold just whips, whispers, get to the chopper. <laughs> no, leave it. He didn't kill you because you were unarmed. There's no sport in it. Wait, if that thing's killing us because we're all armed, then what the heck are we carrying all these guns for? That is a, an excellent question. Quick, everybody throw down your weapons!
after all. Ah, huh? uh, no thanks. Yeah, you keep it. Get to the chopper. <laughs> so. It's funny and stuff like that, and it was, yeah, you know, so they used to do one. those. But then what happened is they got into this superhero ones, yeah. and they always ended up with Batman and Superman. In the superhero cafe. In the superhero cafe, drinking coffee and just sitting there talking about whatever. So I saved the world and flew off, flew off smiling into the camera. camera. <laughs> and then they kept doing those things, and then what they would do is every movie that started coming out, They'd add those guys to the to the cafe. So you had like Iron Man, once the, the his With money coming out of his suit. No, that was the Avengers one because they because <laughs> they made so much money. <laughs> but it was the fact that after Iron Man, whatever his story was, at the end he sit at the cafe, and then there's like two minutes of them joking around with him or talking trash about him or do something. But it's always Superman and Batman. And this guy does both voices of them, but his Batman, I'm now realizing, is becoming my Batman voice. So when I read, like, the little stories to Robert oh, at night, funny. my voice of Batman, I'm trying not to do it as much. Let's but it's, hear it. It's Let's a, hear it. He's like, okay. He's like, you know what I would have done about it? I'd throw a battering at it. And then Superman's like, whoa, check it out. This phone's great. Look, I can go, hey, Siri, tell me the weather. The weather is 94 degrees. He's like, see? He's like, I got one of those phones, too. It's a bat phone. Watch this. Hello. Alfred, what's the weather? Let me find out. Alfred. <laughs> and then you hear Siri. Alfred, what's the weather? <laughs> and then you hear Siri in the background. 94 degrees. It's 94 degrees. See, it's 94 degrees. My phone's just as good as yours. Check it out. Alfred. Yes, sir. Is it going to rain today? Uh, one moment, sir. I'll check. Is it going to rain today? There's no rain in the forecast for today. No, Master Wayne. I don't believe it's going to rain today. Thanks, Alfred. See? I don't need that phone. I got my bat phone. And it can do anything your phone can do. Because <laughs> I'm Batman. Because I'm Batman. Have you guys seen uh, Fat Man on Comedy Central? It, okay, you, I don't think you have so. to Google this. This guy's really funny. So it's it's very similar. Um, but he plays a really dumb Batman. And he, it's completely based off Dark Knight. And every time he does anything, he's like, How are they going to do that? Oh, I have seen you, that. You have seen yes, that? Yes, yeah. I have seen that. That guy's hilarious. Yeah. I want to see him in everything. He's <laughs> so funny. He's so funny. Oh. To, wait, I saw him where on the roof trying to convince people that he's not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. See, wait. See, it's me, Bruce. Why do you still have the, the mask on? The cow's still there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, but back to now. Back to, yeah. back to Venom. I feel like Trash. Venom. Okay. I feel like Venom is like when you go to the restaurant and you're like, hey, um, I like the, the, the fish. And then they bring you out tacos. And I'm like, I didn't order tacos. When they bring you a Guinness and a Heffenweiber glass, right? Yeah, that's or, wrong. Well, I was just going to point out, but I still like tacos. And I ate the tacos, and I enjoyed the tacos. I didn't go in asking Wanting for tacos, tacos, but I left satisfied and full. No, so, he left still wanting. What did you order originally? 
fish. Oh, this is a real story. No, this I didn't really fish. go to the restaurant. He, it's he a metaphor for the Venom movie. Oh. I went to see this Venom movie, or this is the way Venom movie would be that I'd want to see. Yeah. What would you have wanted to see different? I don't know, but not that. Yeah. And I maybe I don't want to see a Venom movie. I want to see a Spider-Man movie with Venom in it. That's I feel like they're building it. up to that. I bet it's going to be the third Venom movie that you'll see Spider-Man. Maybe. Who knows what the way these studios are because this is like, because with these Venom films, it's like totally Sony and with no right. Disney slash problem. Marvel attachment, so they can't really have Spider-Man in it. Or Where's Spider-Man now? Or, He's, was he in Sony? He still is because all the Spider-Man movies are made by Marvel Productions but okay. distributed by Columbia. So that they get because mo- the distributings were a good money. Just wait a couple of years and Disney will buy Columbia and it'll all be fine. No, Sony, baby, that's got tape recorder money in there. <laughs> tape recorder tape money. Recorder. <laughs> well, yeah. well no, think about it, like in the eighties, they made. What's like, holding up right now? The the PlayStation Five. That's that's. Well, the no, but you know what I mean. It's, it's something they have money, but they what was that? Much. Did you ever see Back to School? Mm, I don't think so. Is that Will Ferrell? No, it's uh, Rodney Dangerfield from the. Oh, the old school one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At the bar where he where he does the. Um, where he has that bodyguard. Oh, that I told I told yeah, yeah, that yeah. story before. See, that's another one where I told the story about um who was the deacon who passed oh. away not too long ago that worked for Deacon Al. Deacon Al. Yeah. I would joke oh, about sure. how Deacon Al, when you watch him follow the, uh, Bishop Pepe, he looked like you know his guy. That, I always thought he was in the mafia. I yeah, actually did. But he looked like he's the guy who has to rough up somebody. Yeah. If, if the bishop needs it, yeah. He was always smoking a cigarette outside. He was stressed out, making me stressed out. So I would joke about, because there's this part in in uh, Back, to, Back school to School where Roddy Dangerfield's like, hey, you know, he's like, are you going to do something? He's like, no, I just get mad. And then Lou does something. And Lou is played by, um, guy, what's his name? Um, he, uh, Burt Young, who played Polly from the, uh, the Rocky movies. And then the idea is he gets up, he like cracks his knuckles, and then, he get, then they get this big old bar fight. So I was like, so when I told that story, David found the clip and put it in the oh, podcast. No way. So that's what I love about yeah. when he'll do stuff like that. Yeah. Guys, there's a lot of references today. Yeah. You might have to make this episode two hours longer and just close. Oh, this is going to be all of October, guys. Yes. <laughs> okay, I just I wanted to ask you guys this because you guys are really good at like philosophy and superheroes. We have October 1st, Venom vs. Carnage, and you have an anti-hero versus Fighting a, villain. a pure villain. Yeah, but pure evil. I struggle with anti-heroes, too. And I don't know if you guys struggle with that, like the whole Deadpool, even even some of Wolverine. But Wolverine and Venom are my like two favorite people. Is it the fact that you like them? Or the fact that they They're exist? They or I think it's the murder aspect more than anything it's else. Punisher. Yeah. yeah. But they're they're strangely like... Captivating, you know. I guess because it just gets to that reptile part of your brain. That's like you know, evil like, needs to be punished. Evil needs to be wiped out. That's the band. That's the, that's 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 the Old Testament. Yeah, but it's also yeah because it's not the fact of forgiving them. It's like you got to do it, and and it's like why is the it's ending of Commando awesome? Because he's mowing down five hundred dudes coming at him, right. and it's like the fact that it's like he's literally shooting and killing all these people. But it's like whoa, but they're bad guys. Watch them get killed. It's cool. And there's this part of your brain, but then also you know it's fake, so it's kind of. You know, because if there's a real Punisher out there, you'd have to like be like, "Oh, we gotta get rid of this guy." He's right. just like, but then again, sometimes you have to have character. I don't know. It's it, the metaphor, and it and I think it's necessary. Like, I'm not most most of the hero things that I really like. I'm not a big fan of the antihero to begin with. I like um, the more complex character, like um, 
like Daredevil because he he might accidentally kill a person, but he's going to go to confession. And the fact that he he wrestles with the fact that he is a vigilante and he sh- he doesn't think he should be. And right? he's a Catholic. And he's a Catholic. And he's got all so, the guilt. He does have all the guilt. So oh, that, sometimes I, too much guilt. I think that's cool. But when you're coming to like the antihero versus the the thing of pure evil, and the antihero is going out there and mowing it down. Take the Punisher example, which is like the most extreme version of this. Is you have. Um, you have a reality in which you see somebody who is um, wrestling with or determined to wipe out evil in its entirety, right? It's not this. Uh, it's not the idea of like evil can still coexist as long as good people exist, you know. And most antiheroes see themselves as um, necessary to eradicate an evil, but that's it. Like that's their that's their whole purpose is they see themselves as eradicating an evil, and that's that's what conversion is. That's what we were just talking about is like eradicating an evil and evil in our lives. It's not like I'm going to let part of this evil still exist in me. No, I need to mow it down. I need to get it out. Yeah. Like, and that's that's real conversion. So there's a there's a metaphor here that that we are drawn to because it's real. Like, there are aspects of our lives that needs to be put to death. Yeah. And that's what that's what the antihero does, and that's what that's what I think the antihero serves a purpose, but it can't be like the. Um, but we got to see it in the context of the metaphor in order for us to understand it. And and um, commercially, you can't have you know you you make, you know the p the heroes that you put on lunch boxes. You have to make them more virtuous and everything too. Yeah, but the other thing too is take someone like Batman. What I always love is when people are like, "Well, look at Batman versus Punisher, and look how many people die because Batman lets the Joker live and stuff." Because you can't have the Batman kill like some some street thug or something like that. Because then, when you get to a character like the Joker, who's so bad, he'd have to kill it just because he's already crossed this line, and it's almost a service to humanity you know to do this bad thing but then if you also realize if you kill off the joker he's not going to be in the next comic book so now you don't have that character to use in a serialized thing and money's a thing yeah Yeah. and i need to sell batman comics so if it's like hey there's the joker he's gone there's the riddler he's gone there's the penguin he's gone and then they die then you don't have them anymore and these characters are almost, you know, 80 years old at times, and they're still using them. Yeah, but so Batman, commercially, and, Batman and Joker are, are deeper than just commercially things, though, too. Like, no, I understand, but order if and you, chaos and, yeah, but that's still storytelling thing, because the idea is, as order, I got to get rid of this chaos. So if I'm already okay with killing people on no, a street I don't, think, level, I don't think order needs to get rid of chaos, and I think hmm. that's the thing. That's, that's what I think Batman's trying to, trying to say with the fact that he doesn't kill Joker. Is that um, or chaos needs can't run amok, but but you need chaos in order to have order. Yeah, but he's still. I understand what you're saying, yeah. but my point is money. <laughs> yes, it is really and storytelling. But the idea is at the end of the Batman 1989 kills the Joker, and it's a one movie, and they're like, That's well, it. if we make a sequel, we'll put the Penguin in it, and that's what they did. And then we'll make another sequel. Then they start shoehorning more and more villains. So it's like, oh, put Catwoman in too. Oh, put Riddler and Two Face. Oh, put Mister Freeze and Poison Ivy. But there's still a lot put more. Put nipples ca- on that suit. Yeah, put nipples on that suit. Mm-hmm. Show George Clooney's butt. 
<laughs> oh no, it was Val Kilmer's play. Oh yeah. Well, they Either probably show. Yeah, they it's probably show me. both. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. There's a, uh, a really cool. I don't know if you guys seen it. It's probably on YouTube now, but a History Channel production um, of Batman and all the evil villains, and they go into this like their psychology of them. And it's phenomenal. It's like, yeah. Yeah, have you seen it? It's no, like I haven't seen it. But that's that's what it is. That's that's it's the idea. Beautiful. Ba- Batman was written for like this idea of these archetypal personalities, and that's what that's what it is. And it's awesome. Yeah, they dive into to buy, to they go to Joker, and they do like how he is just the hardest one to, for them to understand because right. he just because he's supposed yeah. to. It's pure chaos. But they like go to. They go to Penguin, and they say, you know, even the way it's called Penguin, it, like, it represents the mob boss, the money, violent. Uh, they go to uh, Two-Face. The, they, they talk about the bipolar like the disorder dual, the dual that he might have. Yeah. And the fact that he was a politician. You have this well, he was a DA. DA, whatever. Which is an elected like. official. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the bishop. Unlike the bishop. Which the church is not a democracy. No, it's yeah. not. Um, or... The kleptomaniac, which was Catwoman. Okay, that makes sense. And um, what's uh, Riddler is what a obsessive compulsive. Yeah, Riddler's yeah. fascinating like too. He would he would get away with all of his crimes, but the fact is he has to. They got give clues really to into talking about the Riddler because, like, like all these guys that kill people. Now. Yeah, YouTube so, it. It's Batman psychology. It's, that'd be great if I can find it. I'll send it to you guys. That. Um, but I, I would watch it probably like once a year just because I really liked it and it was really easy to talk with teens about because everybody likes superheroes. Or at least not anymore. Anybody I interact with. Seems I mean, nobody, nobody likes superheroes anymore. Oh my goodness. Really? Lame. I don't know. Everybody likes superheroes. Anymore. I like superheroes. I like superheroes. You know what's Who tough? doesn't like superheroes? I don't know. Your mom usually. She doesn't. Oh, wow. Actually, I, don't, I think you're right. I don't yeah, think she see, does like superheroes. I see moms. moms she like, she's like, a big anti-hero fan. Yeah, she, she likes, likes that people. She likes, who like, doesn't like Venom, though? But see, they have to move. Well, I, like I know that if people like Venom. That's why he became that's an right. anti-hero. Venom was a villain. Was a villain. villain. But they're oh, like, you know what? This guy's right. cool. We'll put him in a comic book. Mm-hmm. His comic book, Venom, miniseries or whatever. Now he has to be an anti-hero because you can't have a villain as the lead character of a comic book. It just We played uh, Spider-Man as kids. And yeah. all my cousins, we all did like martial arts. So yeah. I was always Venom. And... I didn't know I was a bad guy, but I, I realized I was always fighting everybody. So I realized I was the only one that didn't have a team ever. <laughs> and I feel like that was their way to gang up on me, but it was okay. It's funny. It's fine. I'm all right. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I was the one who always wanted to play Darth Vader. Whoa. Did you move slow? Because he moves pretty slow, right? Yeah, but I did a lot of that like weird choky thing. Like in the, Well, because the little kids would pretend to, die, would pretend to get choked, you know? <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm Darth Vader, and you could be Greedo. <laughs> Now, why Greedo? No, no, not that one. The, the guy who Han Solo shoots. You guys don't like Venom? Not the movie, not the but like the anti-hero thing. Are you a fan of that or no? Like Deadpool, Venom. I love Deadpool. Even Wolverine. Yeah. Um, is da- Daredevil's an anti-hero too, though? No, no, no. no. Punisher, though. Is Punisher, yeah, is definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the fact. I mean, I think it has its time and place. It's not always my favorite, but... I still enjoy it. Like, right. but then some of those guys, like, like I don't like Deadpool because everybody likes Deadpool. Yeah, and he's Not too hipster. He's too hipster too. But uh, see, that's my problem. See, no, I love Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I thought the movie was funny, but see, the fact is, when I've known of Deadpool and I used to see, I didn't really read his comics, but 
I knew they were there. And then, you know, 10 years later, everybody's got a Deadpool shirt. Yeah, and you're just yeah. like, okay, I can't take this guy. I'll be honest, I didn't know Deadpool existed until Ryan Reynolds made a movie. Oh, or yeah. until Wolverine kicked his butt in the Wolverine movies. Yeah. Which everybody yeah. says oh, yeah, yeah. yeah no. But Wolverine did, and Wolverine will always kick his butt because right. Wolverine is the best. But even in the 90s, that's I didn't I didn't like Wolverine in the 90s because he was all over the place. Yeah, that's why I liked him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was just me. But, I mean, that's the way I am. But uh, So, like, there's time and place. But, I mean, it's funny, too, because... When we're talking about the anti-hero thing, uh, what's it called? There was a big deal when, like, Image Comics and stuff like that, and, you know, they were getting darker and yeah, more anti-hero. Yeah. And people were like, why isn't Batman killing people? Why isn't Batman doing this? And then they did a story when Batman gets his back broken by Bane. Yeah. And he's sidelined. And they bring in this other guy, Azrael, who becomes Batman, and then he makes this weird, you know, armored suit to be Batman. And then he's... An anti-hero, he becomes into this anti-hero role, and everybody's like, this guy sucks. We hate this. And it's like, yeah, duh. That's why you read <laughs> Batman comics. Right. You've been telling us to make Batman like this, so we show you it, and then you go, I don't like you. <laughs> right. And now we put Batman back, everybody's happy. But it's the fact is, just because it's something you want isn't what you need. See that? That's like wow. poetry. It rhymes. So they got the Azrael Batman, as bat as they would call it, and he's too... Too tough and too, whatever, and into that anti-hero role that people didn't feel comfortable with it being as a Batman character. Wow. So then when Batman comes back, it's like that. And they kind of did that before with with Captain America in the eighties because Captain America stopped being Captain America and uh, U.S. Agent did it just like in oh, yeah. the movie, yeah, the yeah, Winter Soldier. Because uh, what was it? Um, U.S. Agent kills people. Bucky. Yeah. Was what was? Bucky? No, no, that's a different one. That's when. Bucky came back as the Winter Soldier, and then when Captain America got shot at the end of the fourth volume, then Bucky became Captain America. Really? Which makes more sense. Yes. And then later, Captain America comes back, and then he ends up being old because they take the super serum away, and then Falcon becomes Captain America. Is it, is it fair to say... <laughs> so both of them were Captain America at one time. Is it fair to say that you guys like... Um comics oh i do he does i know all about comics. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. he's a super niche right there because a lot of people are like yeah i like the green lantern it's like oh cool what are you you know what what are you what Which did you issues did you read or they're like oh no i you <laughs> i know, just I, like the concept yeah did you so, see the ryan reynolds green lantern yeah was it good or was it terrible it wasn't terrible but he likes everything also it wasn't it wasn't good. Like, I haven't seen it again. How's that? Yeah, no. That, I that's saw it in the theater. Movies, though, if I was honest. Except for Braveheart. I, oh, I'll watch Braveheart every day. Braveheart <laughs> and Godfather, I'll watch you. Oh, I watch Godfather every day. Yeah. I listen to a podcast. Actually, I heard you about, give a talk, and you mentioned Godfather. And you oh, talk yeah. at David. And I was like, let's go, Neil. Let's go. <laughs> I ate a cannoli while I listened. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So things like that I could do. But it's just like, yeah, that Ryan Reynolds one, it was okay. First of all, I never wanted Ryan Reynolds to play Hal Jordan because I was like, I think it was when he was in the, in the, the Blade movie, the third one. And he's off doing his Brian Reynolds-y stuff. And I'm like, you know, he'd, be, he'd be a good Flash. Especially like, oh, if funny. you ever watched, did you watch the Justice League cartoon from the early 2000s? No, I didn't. Oh, no. you got it. I was that. only a Marvel fan, actually. Oh, I didn't well. even really like Batman that much. <gasps> I know. Oh. Well, I know. better archetypes in DC. What? Well, yeah, because it is more archetypes. Yeah. It's more. It's more like uh, the the Greek pantheon mm-hmm. oh. is and and of the the or the Olympian pantheon of uh, of of characters is like DCs are more you know 
cod-like or whatever, like, um, you know, what, like you said, just like more archetypes where yeah. the Marvel characters are more grounded and stuff. Yeah. So that's like, why a lot of people like Marvel more because you can you can relate more with the heroes, but the uh, the archetypal stories are more epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? So in in a sense, like they used to have something called the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. In back in the 80s and stuff, and it was like a, an encyclopedia where you had all the characters in it. Now you just go to Wikipedia. But in that thing, it used to have charts. You know, these people have this much strength and this much energy projection oh, yeah. and this much speed. So somebody like Cyclops wouldn't have a lot of strength or speed, but his energy projections off the, the charts because he's got the blasters. But somebody like Quicksilver will have a lot of speed. And but they had a chart. You had it like one through ten or one through five or whatever. So you had measurables. Let's do this with youth ministry leaders in Vegas. Yeah, yes. see, there That'd you be go. So fun because we already got the world's best youth minister and the world's worst youth minister on the same podcast. podcast. Whoa, whoa! This would be a great thing. <laughs> yeah. So what happened is People DC. Should listen. DC's <laughs> never done that because they don't want to put parameters on. Their characters, because how fast is the Flash? As fast, fast as he needs to be, yeah. or not as fast as he needs to be, in order to make a good story. So, if you needed, so he can't get there in time. He's oh, is it hot? I burn my lip. <laughs> I think I'm bleeding. Blisters. Yeah. So if he can't get, he, if the story makes it so he can't get there in time, then he won't. And if the story is he has to go to the, pretty much the speed of light to reverse time and do whatever, he does. So is he the best superhero then because he's so fast? Mm-hmm. Like how yeah, but then he's still got to eat and stuff. Because, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and what's it called? There's a cartoon, another cartoon that you haven't watched, or you haven't even, is Young Justice, which oh, was yeah. face, was mostly on, like, the Teen Titan characters, the, the younger members. And it still showed a lot of the Justice League in it, too, but they were more, like, side characters. But Kid Flash, who's the younger Flash, Wally West, and he had a little compartment on his um, on his wrist. You watch football at all? No, I okay. don't actually. All right. So the point is, in the car- in the show, they had the Kid Flash, and he had okay. He had this compartment. I was asking about football because there's this little thing that the quarterbacks flip oh, yeah. up to have plays. Yeah. It was kind of like that, but inside were like power bars. Because the idea is moving so fast, it burns up all your, your fuel, and he has such a hyper-metabolism, so he can't go too long without eating. So, And then he'll just, like, drain it. So he used to keep little bars in the thing. And they don't show that in all the things, but even in the old Justice League cartoon, sometimes Flash would have to eat eat and stuff because you're just burning that many calories and it's like i mean i which is true you know in real life because like when i used to swim i could eat you know all day yeah you know because you hear about like when michael phelps they're like he's got an eight hundred thousand or you know eight thousand calorie diet diet, and he's like 85 and he's the skinniest dude you ever seen was like totally ripped and stuff because he needs that much to swim super fit yeah oh yeah because i mean i was a lot skinnier when i swam and it was probably the skinniest i was in my life and i remember when we went to homecoming or was it prom or something i actually had a swim meet that morning and then when we're eating at the dinner and then everybody's like oh i'm done i'm like are you going to take that home? No. All right, bring that over here. You're done. And I think I ate everybody's leftovers, which is very kind of crude, but it was like, like even my nice. prom date was like, yeah, it was, it, that was a, an essay we wrote. We had to write essays in our English class, and one of it was she wrote about our prom experience. That's one of, hilarious. And not in a Neil's terrible way, but 
in things that were funny way. And then we had the same teacher too. And she's like, oh, I read Amy's thing about your prom. She's like, you're so cute. <laughs> like when you ate everybody's food. And I was like, oh, okay. I said I swam that day. I'm sorry. I was really hungry. That's funny. But yeah, I was. But yeah, you could do that, you know. But you just burn that much calorie, that, that stuff. So that's just one of those things with the flash, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But everybody's going to have to have something. Like a weakness? Yeah. Right. Where they build it in, like kryptonite. Kryptonite. How's it, like his cardio has to, what's his cardio like? Who? Flash, cardio. Flash? Flash, yeah. He doesn't have cardio. He has cardio. He has cardio. But his, his cardio, his stamina is all good. His, his speed's all good. He just has yeah, to, that's he the just part that's, fuel itself. yeah, that's, that's it. the part that's all supernatural. But this, which crazy. is interesting, though, because he enters into, like, the speed force to access his speed. So I was always curious about why he would, because uh, if the speed force is how he gets his speed, then what's the energy for? To move, to be able to move. But isn't that what the Speed Force is doing? It, like, lets you do it. I don't know. Call Mark Wade. Yeah. Who's that? He's the guy who created the Speed Force. He used to ride the Flash for a long time. Okay. And then I thought the Speed Force made, uh, with the idea, I I thought the idea of, like, having to consume energy in order to run that fast makes total sense until you enter in the Speed Force. Yeah, but it's like that, the Speed Force, like, lets you move. Like, gives you the option to do it. And what's the food doing? I don't know. Makes you move. Oh, is this the difference between actual grace and sanctifying grace? Oh, gee, here you go. <laughs> keep going. No, keep going. I want to hear it. Let's go. So, no, the idea of, of uh, sanctifying grace and uh, is is the grace that uh, indwells in your heart and gives you access, gets you access into heaven, whereas the actual grace is those those prompting movements of God where, like, he's moving your heart to pray right now or mm. to go to confession right now. And is that is that what you're talking about? It's yeah, like, that's yeah. probably it. Yeah. The first one is the speed force. Yeah. The access. Yeah, that's 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 that's. Uh, the the other part is the, the energy bars. Energy bars. Okay. I, yeah. I I'll take that distinction. I'll work with that. I'm okay. fine with that. How, did you, how long solved. have you guys been friends? I don't know. Like ten years. Ten years? How'd you guys How'd you guys meet? That's funny. We were drugs. talking about this yesterday on the podcast show. No, yeah. we Just went to dinner life. with a, another couple, with and they're like, "How do you guys know each other?" It was because um. I don't think we've ever talked about this in the show. I don't think we have talked about this at, in the show. At St. Francis, we used to have a young adult group <clears throat> that lasted for a few years. And the the one thing is, I think, the problem with young adult groups in the Valley, too, is, Every young adult is, group. is it's like, it works well, well for, real well for single young adults and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, once you get married and have kids, it's like, well, now I got stuff to do. I can't go to this thing. Yeah. Or whatnot. And... So either a bunch of people, and then the problem too with Vegas is there's a lot of, even though we're like the fastest growing, you know, city or area, we're also like very transient where people will live here for yeah. like six oh, years yeah. and then take off. Yep. So we get people who come in and then they move away and and stuff like Try that. To develop a sense, a true sense of community. Right. So, so a lot of people who were in our group moved away and then a few other people got married and stuff like that. So it was kind of... I wouldn't say falling apart, but kind of doing that anyway. And then when that was going on, and then we went through a string of youth ministers that were that that mostly dealt with like the high school kids anyway. But we still were like under that umbrella. Under umbrella. So you know, when when one was left, and then there was another one to replace who was there for maybe a year, if that. And we were kind of like, well, I don't know if we want to. You know, be totally under the umbrella, but we kind of were still. And then that guy went to teach 
like nine to five because he had kids. And then we had a, one a guy who became who was a seminarian, and Father John kind of said like, "Hey, you're gonna be the guy for the summer until I hire a real guy." And you know he he probably I'm a real guy. Yeah, so David became the real guy. <laughs> So you were in the seminary? No, no the other guy, the other guy was. Oh. He was a placeholder. He's a placeholder. Because he needed somebody to do things, especially with the kids, at least youth group, for like the end of the school year into the summer. And he says, before the next school year starts, I need to hire somebody. So they hired David, what, in some, like August or July? Yeah. July 2011. Oh, yeah. excuse me. So July. Who hired you? Father oh, John. John. Oh, he's been there for that long. Yeah, he's wow. been. He was there a little bit before too. He was like the associate. He was like the not this pat. They weren't even pastors. That he was just too. The associate. Was associate. He yeah, was. He wasn't a parochial vicar or anything like that. He was just associate. Yeah, this is like first couple of years as a priest, right? Yeah. Well, because uh, he was originally at Saint Elizabeth's, I think, and then he came over with us, and we kind of went through a few after Father Greg and before Father John took over. We had a few different pastors or administrators and there was even a time where the guy in uh laughlin was technically in charge but he was still going back and forth it was kind of funky and and then finally they gave you know father, so father john was probably with the parish at least a year or maybe two before he became you know the administrator then pastor or okay, vice versa okay. but then he's just been chugging along for that whole time so right. <clears throat> so so that, David takes over the new job. David takes over. Yeah, sorry. Good, good. Keeping me no, on no, track. Uh, David takes over the new job, and part of his job is to oversee this young adult community that's been around for a while. Well, the problem is, like I was saying, it's kind of falling apart, and I think this was a place where some people thought it was a good jumping off point. So he has this meeting, and then there's like four of us there. Super funny. I was supposed to meet the young adults group, and that was it. <laughs> like, it and was then, like these guys. And one of the girls there was like, that was the last time she ever showed up. And that was mostly like personal drama with like me and, and oh, stuff like that. And no, uh, kind of the well, Lisa and I were together, and she was a friend of ours. And then we had a bunch of other. She was in love with you, but well, I, can, I hate that 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 happens. But I, sometimes I you understand. Just, I understand. Yeah, it weird. happens to you. Well, I mean, when yeah, because you know when you look that good. I was trying to print it on you. <laughs> no, but so that you know those were the things, and then poor David's like running a few of these young adult things, and then you go to him, and like, and I'd go to him, and it's like, okay, this is, it feels sad too because poor David's like stepping into like a dysfunctional mess. Yeah, and then he's trying his best to do stuff, and he's like, here's some things that we can do, and then there's like three or four people who may show up or right. not, and he couldn't like recruit and stuff. That's gotta be so discouraging too. Yeah, so we just burnt. Time? Yeah, so we just burnt it to the ground, and I said, look, we'll, <laughs> we'll start over in a couple of years, and that's what we did. Yeah, and then I think I started doing more with, I don't know, because I kind of knew David, and then we, like, I, I think Lisa and I went to Anaheim, and you and GV were there, so we kind of knew you a little bit better, and and I think one of the things, too, is um, Lisa taught, was, like, a co-teacher with Sheena doing confirmation, too, and then Sheena had to stop uh, uh, teaching, like, midway through the uh, the year, so she wasn't able to do it anymore. So then, like, Lisa was then, like, who was, like, kind of the co-teacher, with another co who also, I guess, faded away. Yeah. And then, so now she's the lead teacher, and Lisa's very introverted and not, even though she teaches, she's, 
she teaches little kids, so teaching high school kids in, you know, about churchy stuff that she knows so much about. She's did. I don't think she, she had the confidence to do it or whatnot. And then I'm like, well, is David going to give you a co-teacher? Is David helping you out with this and that? No, he hasn't done anything. What a jerk. I hate this guy. Why did he do this stuff? And sooner or later, I... David's smiling right now. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I'll help you, Lise. And then That's I start right. teaching. And then I, like, asked him about it, like, later that year. Why aren't you giving anybody for Lisa? Oh, I knew. I knew you were going to just jump in. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, because I never taught. I never taught. I taught... That's the youth minister game. That's how you get the men. You, you, you snag the wives and yeah. put them in the situation where they're like, oh, no, I need help. I'll make my husband do it. You get yeah. good husbands that will say yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It takes a long time to get good husbands that will say yes. But you, get you, the wives you don't get a lot of husbands that will care. Right. No. Truthfully. There's yeah, a lot yeah. and a lot in ministry. That was the thing, too, with, with, with when I was talking about young adult group, a big hunk of it were, you know, like I was saying, it's kind of a singles game, but it's also – women will still do a lot more churchy stuff. And so it's like, hey, there's these four or five single guys there, and there's a bunch of girls there, and you're like, hey, maybe we can meet up with some chick, and we're at church, and la-da-da. All of them had boyfriends, and none of them were involved with the group. You know, so it's like... So it's like, yeah, me and my boyfriend, who we've been together with forever, or my fiancé, or this and that. (laughs) And it's like, what the heck? You know, and they're not involved or nothing. But they, the, the, all the ladies were still involved in doing things. So it was just like, oh. So you get you got Neil invited into being a catechist? No, not invited. Forced. Trick? Enslaved? Okay. Trick, yeah. I got, like, Shanghai or something? Yeah, if, you're, if you're allowed that's to say exactly, that anymore. That's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Never heard that term in my life. Well, see, what's funny, too, is I was always, like... Hoodwinked. Um, yeah, hoodwinked, hoodwinked, bamboozled. Bamboozled. <laughs> I was always... Uh, I did do some... Um, you know, I taught, ah, oh God, years before I taught, like, seventh grade catechism, and I taught uh, third grade first to communion prep at both St. Elizabeth. Somebody and let you teach younger kids? Yeah. They didn't know. Julianne Dwyer was dumb enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Some a very respected person in our field was dumb enough to put me in there. But I was a co-teacher. But, but yeah. I was trying to get into, like, helping out the parishes that I was going to at the time. And so I did that, but I only did it like a year each and I've never been, I never wanted to do confirmation because I felt like it was too like, you know, I don't know, rule oriented and I got way into youth group Yeah. and I love doing youth group. I worked it with Anthony at St. Peter's. So that, I got tricked into that too, but that's another story. But so, you know, I work with Anthony. It was like, and then it was like. You always felt like, especially at St. Peter's at the time, it was like, oh, youth group, that's that redhead stepchild, bunch of ruffian kids over there. These classrooms and all this is for confirmation class where people pay to do things and this is important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you guys are over there. And that's how I always felt. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to teach. And I hated doing confirmation retreats and I hated doing this and that and all that. So to me, to do to teach confirmation was like, ugh. And then I realized that it, that was something I was good at, I guess, or I really enjoyed teaching confirmation after that point. And mm-hmm. I was, and I stopped doing youth group with uh, St. Peter's anyway around that time, helping out Anthony. And then I never really did youth group with David. I'd help out here and there, but I kind of got lured into like, well, I, I love retreats and that's like my thing. So I did like every retreat David did. And almost every trip we do, not only like two Steubenvilles, but like 
Yeah. Everything else is like, if we're going to Anaheim, I've always, I'm there. Mm. And everything. And it's just like, that's where pe- the kids get to know me. Right. So like a lot of the freshmen in confirmation one would go on the Anaheim trip and then I'd be me. And then if they get my class and then, then I'm fun enough that they're like, Hey Neil, I hope I get you in the class next year. I'm like, well, you know, or then they're like, can we switch teachers or something? And then you feel good that, you know, like they love you. Then you feel bad for the other teacher in the other class. No, that's, I mean, it's key, right? If, if there, there's a, um, a relationship or if, if a yep. kid can connect with you better than they can connect with someone else, it's important. And that's what, that's one thing that I, that I, is why Neil thrives in the confirmation classroom is there is no front with Neil. And that's why I need him on retreats and stuff like that because I'm going to tell Neil, like, I'm going to walk through my talk with Neil and Neil's going to be like, that's trash. You need to toss that out. <laughs> Actually, I don't tell him it's trash very often, but... Yeah, because I'm brilliant. Yeah. But <laughs> More of mine with... Even... What was the thing you did the other day? You had a You had a talk. Yeah, I texted it on prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, you notice you're the only one that laughed when I you know, said you're brilliant. It's because we like, yeah, we. It's yeah, not, we all know. <laughs> we don't disagree with that at all. It's not no, even. It's he, not even funny. He's it's so totally good true. at some of the, and I, I always love to because David, when he's like teaching or giving something, you know, like when he presents, he's really good because I guess it's like a work mode in his head. Yeah. But the thing he goes and does is he's like. Here I am spouting the gospel. Here I'm telling you this awesome stuff. Here I'm very dynamic, and you're all listening, and I'm really good at this. And then I'm going to tell you I'm how I'm this introvert who doesn't like to talk. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. right, I'm that watching part, you. Yeah, I struggle with that part. <laughs> yeah. But then it's funny, too, because it's like if you go to the uh, St. Rose Dominican office party with GB's oh around being goodness. a butterfly, David's in the corner like, oh, there's people that are- <laughs> I hate people so much. <laughs> Why did she walk away from me? <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, that's where he's an introvert. Because yeah. it's like, if we, if like we've gone and done stuff, and I'm like, oh, now David's all quiet. I get it. But the problem is, he's so good at, you know, I, I want to say like faking it, but he, he's in work mode. It's like right. a straight, like a showmanship almost. You yeah, know what it's, I mean? yeah. It's, it's, it's that you, I'm, that's where I'm really good is, is grabbing on to the, the gospel and teaching it in a way that's accessible but where I really suck this is why I'm also not in a small group because I'm a terrible small group leader <laughs> because I can't I can't walk with another person like that no that not I can't walk with that many other pe- people like that because of the introverted nature of myself is is I'm very guarded in lots of areas uh, and so like when I'm on stage I'm presenting Jesus. I'm not presenting me. Mm. When I'm in a small group, I have to present me a little bit, and that's I'm not I'm not comfortable and I'm not I'm not capable of doing that in in kind of a way. So usually, I, when I'm in a small group, I either end up teaching or I end up joking, and those are the uh, the two things you shouldn't do in a small group. It's good that you know. I'm that good at yourself. both those too. You're yeah. good at joking <laughs> and teach like teaching too much, or it's like. I think there was a, a confirmation retreat. There was like, I think there was what I did with St. Peter's and these kids wouldn't talk. So after doing every move I've ever done in all my years of retreating and trying to pull everything, and I'm like, these are, you know what? I'll just tell you everything. <laughs> I guess there was a point after like two or three discussions where it's just like, all right, I'll just keep going. So and then funny. they got into it at least and kind of listened, but they didn't share enough of theirs. I think one thing I've experienced on net especially is that you could be leading um, a retreat 
bring out things that you know would work, right? Yeah. And I I know that, like, when I would travel around and I interacted with different teenagers, sometimes I would do tricks that worked with one group and it got them all excited and another group, nothing. Yeah. And and I think a lot of it, too, is you just don't know the week of those kids. It's true. The footballs or or the the testing, and they could be just exhausted. And they just want to hear. They don't want to talk anymore or whatever. And and I never took that into consideration until much later in my career. It makes more sense now that you put it. I think that week was the week that we had the Super Bowl that day. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's always It hard. literally that's like, was tough. Sunday morning and the Super Bowl was that day. I didn't want to be there either. And I was just like, you're ruining my life, Anthony. <laughs> See, I don't care because I don't watch football. But I know a lot of families care and a lot of teens care. So mm. I, I do get that. Oh, yeah. That's, and Church I, should take a second seat to football. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Just during the season. You heard it here, folks. Die awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the diocesan conference. Church is last day of work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm here. There's football on right now. What time is it? Oh, is see, it really? A, yeah, college football. Saturday. Oh, sure. Yeah. Love college football. I didn't even know that there was wrong with college football being out or football being Why don't on they on make Saturday? NCAA anymore? The college What's football in, video game. I don't know. You Which, have to talk to EA Sports. I can't believe that. Ace. That game was it's in the game. Good. It was good. You guys played that? You guys didn't play that? Nah, yeah, me neither. I did back in the day. Yeah, same back in the day. What was it? I do not play that many video games. So, okay, you guys became friends then. We did. Yeah, kind of. We became friends and then, you know, even closer and kind of like, I don't know, confidants and stuff or whatnot. Because what, what does that mean? What do you guys share secretly? Well, maybe not that much. I don't know. Maybe it's more like work ones. I don't think we have to discuss He balances me. He balances you? Yeah. He does. He keeps me sane because GV can't go on all the retreats. And he has the same personality as her, and works out well. I'm kind of so like I'm kind of like the male, not so extra, white. No, he's GV. way dramatic. He's yeah. just as bad. Yeah, but I'm not like. But like, come on, TV's he's just not fancy. I'm not fancy. He's there. not fancy, but he's I am extra. dramatic. Yeah, you're the male white GV. Yeah, <laughs> who's not as fancy? That should be on your podcast. Yeah, that's gonna be the name. It is of now episode. everywhere, everywhere. The male white GV and David. <laughs> So it's just like, yeah. But it's the thing, too. It's like I've directed retreats. I mean, I worked the search search retreats for many years, and uh, we did the Project Genesis and stuff. I did all that. And so it's like now my problem is if you go on a retreat or you see things, like I can't enjoy right. like conferences. and Like maybe some stuff like this because, you know. There will be certain keynotes that will be really good. but Or sure, whatever. Yeah. But oh, anything yeah. that it's like that, I'm like, We've seen yep. how the sausage is made. I'm like, no, nope, don't like that. Oh, they shouldn't have done this. Right. Oh, you know, when we're doing this and we're waiting too long to do this, you're supposed to file, fill that in. Because right. I've made mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Methodology of flow. You know, this being net, right? Methodology of yeah. flow. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, we, that's the stuff we're going to analyze. Like, well, that was a that was a real high that should have been put over in this place. And this mm-hmm. was a real opportunity for uh, a taking deeper into prayer that we should have been moved to this place. Mm-hmm. And St- Structures of weekends and mm-hmm. where do you want to climax everything at and stuff. Which talk is the most important one that you want to do before the yeah. spiritual thing mm-hmm. at on Saturday structure. night. You know? How do you want to do Sunday? Is it a wrap-up or is it, you know, going forth or all that kind of stuff? And that's, you know, you know, that's the thing. Like, doing all the search stuff, I realize every talk is building on each other. And the first two talks have really nothing to do with other than just accepting yourself, knowing God accepts you, and knowing God works through others through you. And you're not really getting any brain stuff. You're getting all heart stuff. And the whole idea of that Friday night 
is just to make it so people are open the next day when you start getting into the deeper stuff with prayer and Jesus and things. So it's like you need that whole time to do that. So it's like you have a whole day dedicated to just breaking break it down. That's what breaking we did too because we, um, we added a Friday night component because we'd go to Mount Potosi on Saturday early morning. You didn't have enough time to get to know your people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or we did dedicate that time to getting to know your people, but then we lose out on uh, something else. So we're like, hey, let's get together at the church the night before. It's logistically works for us, but it does it takes away from because you can't like start the retreat, then go home and then come back to the retreat. It just kills the momentum. But it gave it so I know who David, I know who Hector is. This guy does this. This guy does that. I kind of know everybody. So then tomorrow morning when we sit there and talk about whatever, I have already know who these guys are. So it's not talking to a bunch of strangers. Mm. So because you got to have that, you know, I don't know that. That winning um, them over phase. Uh, yeah, a little bit of that. It's, it's the. And the comfortable um, with your family. Right. It, it's, yeah. it's that. Yeah. Uh, Opportunity to enter into the process because that's all like it's where they're they're deciding how much of themselves are going to allow to participate uh, and doing a Friday night well doing an introduction piece well is enables the fruit of Saturday and Sunday. Mm. That's that's why it's important. Do you guys do any uh, like junior, senior, or your discipleship team retreats? Do you guys do anything like that? Yeah, I do a core team retreats. Those and stuff are my like that. favorite. Those yeah, are my absolute best. favorite. Because the kids are bought in already, they're yeah. stoked, and their prayer is different. The prayer mm-hmm. sessions oh, yeah. are yeah. so different, and and you can do it almost anywhere because it doesn't. Uh, as long as you're doing a, a uh, in in a way that is retreating and drawing them in deeper into prayer, like we did one that um, ended up being at the uh, at the parish because my policy caught on fire, but we did it at the parish, and um, we incorporated like we would go to daily mass, and then at the end of daily mass. They would have 30 minutes of their private prayer right at right inside there before the Eucharist uh, in in the in the sink or in the uh, uh, the nave right in the in the in the sacred space there, and that was the most profound part for most of my leaders on that because they're able to like oh this is this is the beginnings of a real prayer life mm-hmm. this is this is the beginnings of taking that those um, uh, those. The initial prayers that I memorized and taking them into a deeper level, right? Taking my prayer life to a deeper level, conversational level, a more intimate level with God versus this, just the mem- the rote memorization. So. Why, why do you guys do youth ministry? Like every money. day? The money. It's, the money? The money's so good, and I like being famous. I bet at St. Francis <laughs> it is, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. I've seen that school. <laughs> I've seen that school. Yeah. But, like, yeah. What, what got you into uh, to doing for me, it was like I remember I wasn't gonna. This was not my what I was in college for. When I, when I initially started college, my my major was history, and I wanted to teach. Wow! Uh, and so I was going through. Now the I teach his history of the church. I know. Now I still do. Of the it's church. A, just different kind of history. That's how he knows innocence so uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I remember uh, the the youth minister that I was working with because I was still volunteering in youth ministry. I was teaching confirmation classes and doing youth groups and all kinds of stuff. And um, the youth minister there was leaving, and uh, they were going. They were looking for a new position, but they were said they wanted somebody who was 25, and I wasn't quite 25 yet. And so I was like, I was like, I think I was 20. I don't even think I was 21 yet. Um, actually, I might have been younger than that. I might have been 19. Um, and 
then they hired a guy who was my same age, and I, and I kind of kicked myself that I didn't apply. Mm. And then I then in the sermon I was like, why was I this upset about not applying for that job and not pursuing this out? And then so I started thinking about like, well maybe this is maybe this is something that I'm actually more called to do than teaching in a history class at a high school or something like that. Um, and so I started pursuing theology more aggressively in my studies. Um, and then I and then um, the youth minister that was there, she moved to Colorado to be the uh, director of total Catholic education for the diocese there. And she told me, hey, she called me whenever there was a, a, a ministry opening up there. And she said, um, I think this will be a good fit for you. And so I called and I, I, had, I was already accepted into Regis University at the time. And I was going to Regis distance distance wise. Uh, and then um, I got the position there, and I moved up there and started doing it professionally, and going finishing up my my school while I was there as well. And that was just it. And it was like everything fit. It's like these are the the, the charisms that I have. Mm-hmm. I can present the, the the gospel to teenagers effectively. Um, if I I feel like if I wasn't doing this, I could. I, I, I have a moral obligation to do what I do. Like, this is the gift that, that God has given me, and I'm bearing it in the sand if I don't. You know, and that's why I will bear the cross of, of youth ministry in, in the church, because youth ministry in the church is not easy. Like, and, and there's lots of things that, that we as youth ministers wish we could do, and we as youth ministers uh, are prevented from doing that's, that's good ministry because of, like, just uh, Not... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Litigational. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <A> priest. <laughs> now, uh, My because parents, of fear of lit- litigation everything. and all these things that, that, that surround the, the world of youth ministry that don't surround, like, your sports team at school, you know? Um, that that makes it makes it really difficult. And then you add on top of that the politics that does come with the, with the, um, with the diocese. That's, that's internal politics. Uh, and the... Poor education of most people in your field, uh, because the way that people hire youth ministers is like, oh, this person is young and goes to youth group, and I can trust them to do stuff. Therefore, you're my youth minister. And versus you, you got people that spent eight years of school it, to to study this stuff. And um, and the problem with that too is <laughs> so that cost the, me eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> and then they're like, hey. We want a youth minister who is well educated with degrees, spending that eighty thousand dollars, and we'll pay you three dollars an hour if you really add it up. Thirty-five thousand dollars a year. <laughs> you're thirty-five. You're lucky. You also have to do all of confirmation and and young adults and, and, young adults and sweep the floor if you're going to get thirty-five. <laughs> I think the average full time in this area is thirty five. Yeah, oh, okay. I think the right. average full time in this area is it's probably gotten better. But I just yeah. remember like cer- certain parishes, it was kind of a volunteer position, oh, and yeah. and oh, yeah. here's a thousand dollar stipend for when your I year. At one of the parishes out here, I was part time. I got paid five hundred seventy two dollars every two weeks for three years. Yeah, wow. But so. see, what I hate is when it's like, hey, do you want to work here? You need these credentials that now you're in debt yeah. $80,000 and we'll pay you $20,000 a year. Which is always something that's in bilingual. Oh, yeah. And I don't even look at the requirements because I know that most people that are even asking for those don't have anything similar to that either. Right. And that's the, and that's the struggle. But, but at the same time, like, this is, a, this is a ministry that impacts the lives of people. 
in a real way. Like, like um, any, any Pew Research study, the, the number one um, factor or the number one correlation of teens that have kept their faith moving into college and the years beyond is meaningful relationships with their um, with their family who has an actual living faith life, not mm-hmm. just a going to church on Sunday type deal. Like uh, the faith is in the home, right? That's number one. But number two is always meaningful participation in youth ministry, which is fascinating. It's like it, it, it's it, God does something with this ministry. Um, but there's a lot of pain and suffering in the midst of it, and it's it's not a it's not an easy ministry to keep going. And every, every like, Neil knows like every month or every couple of months, I'm like I'm quitting, I'm quitting. I'm gonna yeah. let's go let's go open up a retreat center. Let's go open up a bar. Well, that yeah, we, well, I'll get on both those a bar and a retreat center. But That's it's always when about. he goes like I think I want to do this adult ministry thing for this church or for the diocese or something like that. I'm like you don't want to do that. Uh, and that's I want to take that captain's promotion when I'm not on the street anymore and I'm behind a desk pushing papers. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't. Uh, yeah. No, it's 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 a struggle because that's a uh, and it's it's always like. But I mean, if you if you're in a ministry and you're not bearing a cross and you're not in a ministry, so and that's the that's really that's reality. So. Yeah, I think um, prior to my first youth ministry departure, I remember reading. Um, I was trying to prepare myself for leaving ministry and uh, one of the articles that I read it was it was from a non-denominational uh, group and they said they, they recited a study how one of the top five PTSD positions to leave um, outside of the military and a few other things uh, was youth ministry really yeah wow. and and it was it's true it's it's so true when you leave which um, I don't think you've experienced this yet because you've been there for a while but whenever the time comes there are going to be certain things that the devil is going to say to you and it's going to haunt you and it's going to wake you up at night. And it's in those moments that you really have to trust the Lord and you got to fall on the Lord. But it's, um, uh, you didn't do what you could have done. Oh yeah. You didn't do what you could have done. You remember Bobby? You weren't there for him when his dad died. Oh yeah. Um, no, I, I oh. get that. So there's, there are some things that I've experienced a lot of and, and some of those were there and, um, you know, you spent too much time playing games where you could have said, you could have talked about other things. You know, yeah. and um, when I left Prince of Peace, like I had the, that exact same uh, experiences with a lot of my teens. I still have that, like after, even after leaving Ave Maria in Colorado, because um, we built that ministry from nothing. And um, to this day, like I'll get phone calls from uh, a teen who's now an adult, you know, or getting married or or um, things like that, or and they say, "Hey, um, you need to pray for so and so who was like a leader or whatever," and he's like, "He's left the church. He's on. He's he's straight away." And I'm like. Or like uh, Prince of Peace was a really difficult one because I had served there for eight years before I moved to Colorado. And um, in that time, like I saw a lot of kids come through that program. And like I remember being in Colorado and hearing um, that one of them committed suicide out, out here and, you know, not being here, you know, for him in that in that in that time was really tough because I was super close to this kid. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that stuff does haunt you, you know, and, and that and you're right. Like it's that's where you feel like you're a hack. Like you are a um, like what's and that that is exactly what you're talking about. It's the attack of the devil. It's it's this that's uh, what the heck are you doing with your life? And like are you are you making a difference or are you just making money off of the gospel? 
you know, how much of this is um, just simony in a new package, you know, and that's uh, that's scary. I think one of the attacks that I would always get, because um, I, I think I look younger than I am a lot of times. Yeah. Um, even when I was 20, 23, 22, and I was youth minister, I mean, oh, yeah. people thought I was a teenager. Exactly. In fact, when I was 27, people thought I was a, a teenager still, which is kind of right. But um, yeah. I would have uh, parents or other adults come up to me and say, when are, when are you getting a real job? When, yeah. when will that happen? Yeah. Wow. I'll always have that question. Oh, yeah. You do this full time? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and it, and and they don't mean. I don't think they mean harm by no, that. But um, yeah. it is it is kind of like this, like a devil and like attack almost on you, because you start to question: Is what I'm doing like noble? Is what I'm doing uh, good? Is it going to provide for family? Is it is it even a real job, or am I am I a babysitter? Mm-hmm. You know, and you, right. these thoughts go through your mind. Um, but yeah, the PTSD thing is, is real. So I was wrong. So you, you have experienced some of these oh, things, yes. which, and, and they're haunting and, um, yeah, but you, you gotta have, you gotta have super close friends when you leave. You gotta have people that you can rely on like Neil and other people and talk to and just even like honest to God, just pray with and cry with sometimes because yes, there's areas that we're, we fail at. There's areas that like, even when I leave here, I'm going to realize I could have done more for David and Rosie and stuff like that. Whenever that time comes, um, Forming Vinny and 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 uh, Rolissa and all the new ones, Paula, and um, and bringing it, being able to bring them in deeper, we and we have to if we can see some of those uh, future temptations, then we can we can work harder and do as best we can so we can walk away and the Lord can say, "Well done," you know, yeah, my good and beautiful servant. Well, you'll always have the accuser saying you didn't do enough, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. yeah, or that uh, that it's uh, it's fruitless and pointless. I get a lot of that. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I always see, like when you were saying your doubts of if it was good and noble, I always feel like youth ministry is always good and mm. noble and stuff. But when you went to provide for your family, that's where I'd go. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you marry a nurse. That's why you marry rich. Marry rich. That's, and that's I married a teacher. No. I married that's a photographer. A <laughs> but that's just the thing too, because it's like whenever I did do anything for the church, I'm like, this is what I need to do. But I know I can't do it all the time because I do need to put food on the table. And like when people say, Well, what would you do if you weren't working? Drugs mostly. Well what kind? DMT, <laughs> you ever tried DMT? Mostly uppers, that way I can do more stuff. So <laughs> And if I don't have to work, then I have all this extra Heroin. free time. <laughs> No, but um, that was the thing, though. It's just like, what would you do? And I'd be like, I think I would do more stuff with church, you know? Yeah. And, like, that was always, like, there's part of me that's like, oh, it'd be great, like, if I retire and then get a job at the church and do something there. And then there's part of me that's like, yeah, but do I want to work at the church? And then opposed to being a a volunteer. But I might want to. uh, Accountability. Yeah. But but then I kind of might want to just to get benefits or something. (laughs) I'll keep you updated when a new job pops up. Okay, well, let me know. There's one over at Crystal Ray. Well, oh, yeah, like they're going to hire me. That's a real school. They'll be like, we need somebody to take the trash out. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. That's just the thing, too. It's like, you know. And then the, the thing that killed me was when I found out that, like, deacons have real jobs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That blew my mind, too. Because who is it? Uh, Tracy. Deacon I wish Tracy. I got paid. I thought they worked for the church. Yeah. So, like, it was Deacon Tracy that I talked to at um, 
um, St. Christopher's. And, and, and he's telling me all the stuff he does, like, like real job stuff. Like, you know, you're looking at it, He's probably pulling in all the overtime or something like that. And I'm like, when do you have time to... When do you get the energy? When do you yeah. have time to do churchy things? Like, I would be like, if I still worked every day, I don't want to spend my whole Sunday doing church. Like, I want to do church. And then, like, on the side... Work, work at the church, or I don't know, work at the school. Do something like during the week, and yeah. you know, doing all the masses on the weekend. And, and then it's like, well, I can't go nine to five, and then have you know a handful of kids and spending time with my wife, and then be there to read the gospel. <laughs> I just felt like that and was preach like preach effectively, yeah, or something. I don't know. I felt like you know, but maybe if I was retired and been a deacon, that'd be different, but. But just certain things like that, it's like, oh, my goodness, there's so much other stuff. It, like, burst my bubble because I was just like, yeah, now that, you know, I'm going to get married to Lisa, maybe I could be a deacon someday. And it's like, oh, I guess not. <laughs> and not that I can't, but. Well, he is, he's looking for more deacons. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. I, I don't think I would want to do it. I, I would pray that the Lord would never think of me for that job. Vocation. Yeah. Honestly, it it, it seems like. One, exhausting, and I'm lazy. Um, but two, it is such a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It really is, you know. Um, Maybe it's a grown kid's job. Like a 50-year-old kind of guy, 60-year-old guy. Yeah, something like that. Because, like, you know, your kids are young. They're going to school. They're doing stuff. you got to be dad. But when they're, like, um, you know, off to college or living their lives, you know, now that time you would have put in your kids, you can put in your, to church, I guess. Yeah, maybe. That's also the struggle with any ministry job, though, is, like, you be, you feel like an absentee father, and you're an absentee father because you're at church all the time. But I think it's a little different. Well, yeah, I guess. But see, the thing that's different, too, is you don't have the other job. Right. Right. But, uh, um, but you still have the same problem in that your kids look at you and say, how come you got to go to church all the time? Well, it's the same thing as if you were a, a vacuum cleaner salesman and you were on the road. Right. So, Except for it's okay for my kid to hate vacuum cleaners. Oh, you can't hate Jesus. All right. Yeah. Okay, I see your point there. Because, like, that's my point. See, that my hard point is, is all, especially now that we have the kids, <clears throat> and yeah. it's like, Things hey. are so much easier before we had them. Oh, God, yes. So, but it's just like, <laughs> here's this thing. It's an all-day thing. I get invited to do this, or we work on something. Then Lisa's like, well, now I'm stuck with the kids all day, and you're off doing church stuff, which she used to be able to do with me. Yeah. And she has she has credentials so right here. I know, but it's the children thing. And then there's the point of even when we can't get babysitters, then she feels like she's abandoning her children, which, you know, technically, I guess I am doing. But well, <laughs> but I mean, but that's the thing. So it's the fact that I go to work five days a week, you know, and work late, go in early or whatever. So now you're you're kicking in more hours. And then it's like, oh, and this one retreat comes up and I'm gone the whole weekend. So it's not only are you gone enough doing work stuff and then you go away doing church stuff. Right. So it's like I'm adding another thing on top of it. But if I don't do any of the church stuff, then I'm not involved in ministry at all. So then I am. That's like Father Steve used to call the pew potatoes. Just people who just go and that's sit in the pews. You know. And like, like you are talking about. So it's just like if I want to still be involved in ministry, then I have to take more time away from 
my stuff. And anytime it's like, oh, David wants me to do this and this. And she's like, that's David's job. He could do it. <laughs> Just tell Lisa that um, when David has to do it by himself, that keeps him from being with his family. I know. <laughs> I try really hard to honor. Um, and then she's like, that's Jeevy's problem. That's Jeevy's problem. <laughs> no, but she likes Jeevy way too much. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> I try really hard to honor our youth ministry leader's time. So there's been a few times where I've called David, and it was his day off. And I'll be like, all right, I'll talk to you later. Right, and I'll just hang out. <laughs> right? Yeah, there yeah. has, yeah. Because it, it is like it's a, it is. There's so much time that you're away from your kids when you're doing ministry, and, and um, yeah. So weird hours, weird hours. It is weird oh, hours. Yeah. It's such a weird job. It is. And then the diocese job is a weird job too. It's a strange position. Right. It's funny too because it's also like that point where it's like we need you to work 38 hours straight. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's you know, always a good time. It's always funny too because I remember like. When I was working for you, when you were on paternity leave, so I was actually, oh, an, I'm hilarious. still technically an employee, I guess. So that yeah. way Father John can just reel me back in. But, but like, you know, so I'd go and we'd teach confirmation or we go and show up for this. And you get like three hours here, two hours there. And technically you're getting paid. Like, here's the little money that you get. But then it's like, okay, now we go to Anaheim. So I'm like... I'm technically clocking in at four in the morning, and then yep. two. Day, then you know the next day I'm clocking in at midnight. Well, so you're, you're not work- really though, right? Because you're you're sleeping there too. I know that's so what Father. If jo- anything happened. That's the other thing too, because Father John was even pointing out like, well, we got to kick out some of that time because you're sleeping. And then I'm like, yeah, I get four hours of sleep because. I'm the one who goes, and I do this anyway, (laughs) even with you. I'm usually the one who makes sure every kid's in their beds on every floor and everything and making sure everything's good at the end. I'm also the one who usually wakes up everybody in the morning, so I'm the last one to bed and the first one up. And then the thing is, if something happens at 2 in the morning and I got to get up, I'm technically on the call. Well, you can't leave, right? No, huh? This not. is my this is my big thing. You can't leave that hotel or that retreat site at nighttime. Right. When the kids are sleeping, or and you have the time to be asleep, you have to be there. Right, right, exactly. I'm not off, but if some kid goes into cardiac arrest, who has to take care of it? Right, exactly. Then it's my job because Ooh. I'm working for him. Yeah. I picked I, I picked that because it's less likely to happen. But it's just a scary thought. <laughs> oh, I know. But here's the deal: is something. What if the kids try to break out and stuff? Then I got to get up at one in the morning to go handle. That was one of my fe- very last retreats. Yeah. I had I had kids banging on my door. I woke up. I was like, "What's up?" And they're like, "Gabe's missing." His name wasn't Gabe. And I was like, "What do you mean he's missing?" And they're like, "We can't find him. He's not in his bunk." I was like, "Okay." Uh, and my mind's thinking like, well, "Why were you looking for him? Like, what was going on?" So I, I started looking all over. I searched the whole campsite. Right? Can't find this kid anywhere. I'm going up a staircase, and I see him sleeping on a staircase. I'm like. I've never been mad at a team before, oh, yeah. but I was like, I'd have lost my ish. What in the world were you thinking? Like, I was ready to just call the cops at that point, but I don't know. God. When I see him sleeping on the staircase, I'd have to think there's a reason you needed to get out on sleeping on the staircase. The reason, if he was in a girl's cabin, I'd understand that reason, and I'd be more mad. But the kids were talking um, pretty bad, like about like bad stuff, and and so he just didn't want to be around it. 
See? That, that was the why. And so that's, it was a good reason, but at the same time, it was like probably not what he should have done. Oh, no, I agree. But honestly, and not to tell you how you should have felt, because I would have probably been mad too. Oh, yeah. Very but when you see irascible emotions. But Very when scary. you see him up there and you're like, there's got to be a reason you're doing this because it doesn't seem fun. Right. <laughs> you know. There's got to be a reason you're out here. But I'm the cynic. I'd be like, there's got to be a reason. And whatever reason you tell me is going to be a fake reason. No, nah, I don't because know. Because you got caught. Well, yeah. But I mean, if, it's, <laughs> if well, they're doing the something too, that right, looks. Right, yeah. If you know the kid. If you look at the person, uh, one of the things you'll see right away was that there was a lot of things that he would do that were not great. Mm. You know what I mean? And so um, his mom often had me meet with him. And um, I would have to remind her, I'm not a therapist. Yeah. Just so you know, um, I'm also not a psychologist, right? So I can't do any of these things, but I can pray with him, and I can listen to him. So, yep. Outside of that, I, I get off at four. So if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, gotta go. I got these things to type up. No, but that's the other thing too about being on the retreat or being on the trip or whatnot. If something happens yeah. at two in the morning in yep. my my four to or my min, you know, <laughs> my midnight to four. Time right. being asleep, or more like one to five, you right. know, I still have to wake up to do it. So shouldn't I technically be on the clock then too? I Hold mean, on, call. Yeah. So that was just not to try to fight over the money, but it was just funny when he was like, "Oh, we'll just subtract, we'll just subtract eight hours because of sleep." And I'm like, eight hours of sleep? <laughs> what kind of retreat? <laughs> what, you got? Yeah, what are you talking about?" So yeah. you know, it was just funny the way it was like that. I mean, eight hours of sleep at a diocesan conference, much yes. less a retreat. I know a retreat. Yeah, and that's especially the overnight in the the hotel, and we get out of there early. It's like, all right, kids, get down there and eat some some uh, prepackaged Danish, and we're walking Danish. <laughs> When I was expelled, that's all they offered for food were those honey buns and Dr. Pepper for lunchtime. It was the worst. From school? Yeah. That's awesome. Didn't you know that? No. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I was expelled in, in uh, eighth grade. Eighth grade. For doing what? I, I was really good at fighting, so oh. I enjoyed doing it. And, oh, and, uh, like a Wolverine. Pretty bad kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of emotional issues I had as a, as a young person. A lot of emotional issues. And... Um, I got expelled, sent away to Peterson, which I don't think exists anymore because I drove by it. And there's like the, no more of those gates are up or anything. Like the portables mm. are all gone and everything. So it kind of freaked me out because I was like, are they trying to erase history here? What's going on? Why are they, why are they removing this stuff? You know, did something happen? And um, yeah. So. Wow. Um, well. Guys, uh, thank you so much for having yeah. me sit with you guys. Yeah, Thanks for hanging. This was really good. I would good. love to talk with you guys, even not on a podcast, because this felt really natural. Yeah.